Oddities with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. Man, you're Zach every week. When do I get to be Zach for once? Can you tell me that? Okay, how about this? Let me rephrase that. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Gus Takitos. And I'm Zach. (laughs) All right. I like it. Uh, So, yes, uh, here on Cinemodities, we welcome you once again. Uh, We have finished up our Dean Norris with the Addendum of Misery series last week. That's all finished. You're probably wondering, what are we going to talk about next? Let's jump right into it. Today, this week, we are talking about America's Got Talent. Yeah, so I guess everybody, I lied. Zach, would you like to introduce what we're talking about for real this week? We are talking about, we're once again delving into the Colin Madman Trevorrow well with (laughs) Jurassic World. Oh, oh, oh. My, or as I, or my as I like to hurt. call it, your what hurt? My teeth. Your teeth hurt. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll get into that, but that's how I want to start this. This makes my teeth hurt. This makes my everything hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, give us you you take it, please, Zach. Please let me let me just mentally prepare a little bit more for this discussion, please. All right, we're talking uh, uh, Colin Madman Trevorrow. Uh, something something dinosaur something something bum 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 that is a better uh, remake of Jurassic Park than this movie is me just poorly humming the uh, Jurassic Park theme uh, I, I hate this movie um, I don't hate anything I dislike a lot of things but I absolutely hate this film I've hated <laughs> it before I ever saw it seeing it just confirmed my uh, suspicions of it uh, I, I, I loathe this film every time I have to watch it I loathe it I, this was the third time I've ever seen it I saw it initially in theaters I saw it a second time um, on home video and this time was just as bad <laughs> actually I, okay I don't want to say the first time I saw it I was angry um, actually so angry that I actually wrote a review about it the the week it came out when the few times I actually wrote something timely um, the second time I watched it, I kind of was a little bit more forgiving toward it. I, I still saw a lot of the major blemishes or things that just make me uh, infuriate me. The this time I watched it, I was angry again. Like I'm watching <laughs> this, saying, "How on earth did anybody allow this to get out there?" I don't know. I, I feel like I, I, this is something I could probably talk about forever. But I'm going to let Rob. I, I think this is another one of those instances where, much like Star Wars, the Clone Wars, when I brought this up to Rob, I figured I didn't. Think, I, I can't imagine this being a Rob film, or at the time when I was thinking about it. But at the same time, I don't think he would loathe it as much as I do. But for different reasons, even though one of those reasons, I'm pretty sure I know what it's going to be. But Rob, uh, what is your nutshell opinion on oh. Jurassic World for Dumb Jurassic Park? <laughs> Just, you know, blanket statement, easiest one-line review, I hate it. <laughs> that is that Aww. is the best way to put it. I severely dislike this movie. Um, but there's more to that. There's more to that. Uh, I I do not, I have not had the, the pleasure to read Zach's review that he has actually mentioned to me before. 
of Jurassic Park 4, Jurassic World. Uh, so I would love to hear some of his thoughts uh, because I I think I absolutely disliked this movie for completely different reasons than you did. Uh, I want to I wanna frame this. Uh, I want to tell our listeners, I want to tell Zach once again, I made a mistake. I, I thought I could handle this, and I could not. When Zach was like, let's do Jurassic World, we'll do the sequel when it comes out. I guess, I don't know, spoiler alert, that's next week, or whenever, this, whenever Jurassic World 2 comes out, we're going to do that one. Um, but I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to watch all of the Jurassic Park movies in a row. Like, literally, just sit down, cue them all up, bang, 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 watch them all. And for some reason, I thought I could do this. I thought, well, I knew I could do it and survive it. Well, I, I kind of almost didn't survive it. But I thought I'd enjoy it, almost. I was so wrong. I was so wrong, Zach. I should have listened to you. Peek behind the curtains. I asked Zach to send me copies of Jurassic Park 2 and 3, and he told me no. He told, <laughs> he told me I didn't need to see these movies. And I did not heed his warning, and I watched them anyways. Oh. And it was, a, it was a rough time. But to put Jurassic Park 4 in context, this was literally at the end of five and a half hours of other Jurassic Park movies. I was not happy having to watch another two hours of dinosaurs. Does that answer your question, Zach? Uh, but I, I guess I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not puzzled by why you did not like two and three. I'm, I'm. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's let's back up right here. The third one's the best one. Oh, really? Third one's the best one by about half an hour. So Jurassic Park 3 is better than Jurassic Park. Because it is half an hour shorter. That's what I'm saying. Oh. It's, better, it's better by half an hour. It's better by all of them than by... It's better than all of them by half an hour. That's what I'm saying. The third one... The third one's not that bad. Like, it has a bum rap. Oh, I mean, uh, William H. Macy. I love William H. Macy. Um, Taya Leone is just... She's funny to look at, I think. So it's always great to see her in a movie. Uh, I think the last movie I saw her in was Spanglish, and that was just a, a, a laugh riot. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. so Zach, I, I think we're kind of on the same page with our, our dislike of this movie. So I do have things to say about all the Jurassic Park movies. Why don't you like the first one? Why don't I like the first one? Because the only arc in it is have kids and fucking like it. Like, you're a human, reproduce, fucking deal with it. That's the only thing we learn in that movie. There's a good question. The good question in the first one is the big question that they should all focus on. Should we create life just to control it? They spend like 15 minutes on that in the first movie. The rest of it is, Sam Neill, have children with me. Sam Neill, fucking get me pregnant. Have children with me. I'm imitating Laura Dern right there. <laughs> uh, so really, you know, here we go. The message of the first Jurassic Park movie is have kids and fucking like it. The message of the second Jurassic Park movie, have kids and fucking like it. The message of the third Jurassic Park movie, raptors can talk to each other. <laughs> the message of the fourth Jurassic Park movie, have kids and fucking like it. 
So that's another reason why I thought the third one that's was the weird. best. I never thought of that before, that every single one of these movies uh, revolves around children. I hate it. I hate the family drama aspect, and that is my downfall. I did not remember this at all. I thought it was just going to be people running from dinosaurs, which isn't interesting to me either, but I can, you know, fucking get high and watch that for eight hours in an afternoon. The family drama shit was terrible. Every single movie is just, oh my god, there's a more another set of annoying children, and we have to save them from the stupid nonsense they fall into. And then at the end of the movie, it's just like, what did we learn? That we shouldn't play God? No, that we should love our kids. Fuck that. Like, we don't need a movie to tell us that. We're better than that as a species, right? I have not watched... Uh, I watched two, I think, a couple of years... Hmm. I don't know. Like a couple of years ago, I watched two. Okay. Um, it's a much worse film than I remembered. Oh my I've god! Not watched, that's, the, I've, that's the Goldblum is the main character, and yeah. everybody's acting is monotone. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's in a. It's a completely different character than he is in the first film. Oh, holy shit! That is literally one of my notes. I don't think Goldblum was playing the same character. Nice. Yeah, he's not the same character <laughs> in that movie. Um, third one, I've not seen in a long time. Um, all I know is that there's uh, they have to go back to. It's funny it's worth knowing that like only the first film in Jurassic World take place on the main island. In the, the sequels, I only have like place six on the points for island. the actual movie, and that's one of them. You're stealing my thunder. <laughs> uh, I thought um, I was that's... clever for realizing that. <laughs> oh, like, there's a lot of stuff like that. No, but the first Jurassic Park, I know a lot of people like uh, worship the ground that movie walks on. They're like that movie's 25 years old, and look at the special effects; they still hold up. Uh, they're, they're better than anything else that came out during that time period. Um, you watch that first Jurassic Park movie, and those dinosaurs are very clear 90s. You guys, don't get me wrong. I, I hate people who like overanalyze CGI, but if you're going to make that like the sole talking point of the film, I have to talk about it. Not you, but just the, the general conversation Definitely. about that film. Yeah, oh yeah, I don't think the I don't think the uh, the animation or the CGI holds up as well as everybody claims it does. But no, I think that movie does work. I think the characters are fun, even though Rob doesn't like the idea of just, apparently the theme of that film is uh, impregnating Laura Dern. I don't think And it's you're going to fucking that. like it. <laughs> well, I don't, I like the first film. I'm not in love with it like everybody else is. Second film is garbage. Third film has some redeemable elements to it. And the fourth one should be burned at the stake. <laughs> that's how no, like I know I, I really I'm indifferent toward Jurassic Park as a franchise until Jurassic World where it, the the fourth film makes me angry it legitimately okay. makes me angry the more and more I think about it see I really I really want to know why Zach and oh. but since since I think the reasons I'm angry about Jurassic Park 4 and this series are very different from yours can I jump into mine real quick can we Go get ahead, out of the bro. way because you know what Go mine's going to be right you know what mine's going to be right of course. Mine is, what the fuck is the point of dinosaurs? Who gives a shit? Just like the Titanic episode, I was very much of the mindset, oh my god, why are people studying the Titanic over a hundred years since it happened? This is very much, oh my fuck, why do I have to watch a boring ass movie about children with things that lived apparently 65 million years ago? The whole threshold thing we talked about in our Titanic episode, Zach, this blows it out of the water. Oh, there yes. Is, Titanic is 100 years. This is millions of years. Dinosaurs are never okay to talk about. So that was <laughs> that was a little that was a little Rob Flair. 
Um, but what, what I would like to honestly say, and I, I would like to present, is um, while I had that thought, uh, even before I watched all these movies in a row, when I, when I knew we were talking about dinosaurs, it really pops into my head, like, what, what is the point of studying dinosaurs? That's a good question. Whenever you study anything, you should ask, well, what is this useful for? And I, I'm, you shouldn't, anybody listening to this should not think I'm coming at this from, like, one of the perspectives of a kid in a math class going, when are we going to use this? I get asked on a daily basis, what do you use your research for? I'm a mathematician and statistician. You know, I, I lived in Montreal for three months working on something called percolation theory. And everybody's like, well, what the fuck is the point of that? And that had a point. So I'm not coming at this as like, this is stupid. I don't see a use for it. So there is no use for it. I honestly asked myself the question, what, what do we gain from studying dinosaurs? Have you ever asked yourself this question, Zach? Have you ever thought about what is the actual use of studying fossils? Has this ever it's crossed the, your mind? Just learning about the, the past history of the planet, the creatures that roamed it, how they... Sure, how, yeah, yeah. You start to think about those things, right? It, it, it's yeah. not like nothing comes to mind. You can. So I, I have the same thought as you. Ev evolutionary theory, I think, is what you were getting at, right? Sure. We, we can study our my, previous my lay, The layman's way of saying that, sure. Sure. So evolutionary, evolutionary theory, I thought of that first off the bat. I also thought about medical advancements. I thought maybe there was something that we could tell uh, from, you know, what, what kind of pigment and cells we do recover from these things, very few and far between. What could those mean for our modern world? And kind of along that same vein, the third thing I thought of was well, we have the ability to test for chemical composition and elemental composition. Uh, maybe there's elements that existed when the dinosaurs did that don't exist now that we can discover in fossils. This was basically me thinking to myself, people study dinosaurs. It's not because it's useless. Uh, so why are they doing it? This is what I thought of. And very, very nicely, I have to give a shout out. Uh, he just wants to be called Mark. His name is Mark from the sociology department at Colorado State University's campus. That's all he wants to be called as, Mark. I uh, tried to find someone at CSU where I work uh, who was working on dinosaur studies that I could sit down. I took him to lunch and I asked him this question. I said, what are we studying dinosaurs for? What is the point? I wanted someone who was actually doing it to tell me. I got two answers. The first answer was they're interesting as hell. This dude loves dinosaurs. That was his first reason. He actually is wildly interested in dinosaurs. The second reason was evolutionary theory. That is, that is probably the, the big scientific backing for why we should be studying dinosaurs, fossils, and everything that came in all of the millions of years prior to humans. That's it. There are no medical advances. There's no new elemental advances. Those things don't happen. And so I was kind of wrong in my uh, presumption. So that's where we stand, that uh, studying dinosaurs isn't as helpful as I would have expected. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. I was a little blown away by this. I thought this would be a more fruitful field. Zach, are you dead? This is a very, uh, uh, what's the word, diplomatic way of saying, Zach, you're wrong. That's how I'm taking this. Uh, what was your opinion? Evolution, <laughs> evolution, evolutionary history of the dinosaurs. No, that, but that's the thing he said that was. Well, yeah, but there really wasn't anything we've learned from it so far. Oh, oh, um, 
directly impactful. I'm glad oh. you're clarifying me on this. Yes. So when, when I think about medical advancements, I think that's something we can he use here and now. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, in, in the field of mathematics and statistics, computer science, business, uh, computer information systems, whatever field I find myself in, I am actively trying to directly apply that to something in the world. Evolutionary theory just doesn't work that way. A lot of theories just don't work that way. And I was just surprised to find out that this kind of study of dinosaurs is is just kind of stagnant. You know, they learn new things, but they don't really go anywhere. You know? Rob, I'm, I'm sorry that the, the, the fossilized creatures in the ground from like 80 million years ago can't help you with your beep-boop computers. I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> that, that the dust in the ground can't help you your computer I, process data. Fast. I am so very I, I apologize I'm, on behalf of the dinosaurs. <laughs> I am very sorry about this as well. Uh, but I, I am very happy also to, to give this. I want people to know this. I think this is something everyone should ask. Whenever you're faced with any field of study, be it fucking dinosaurs, be it is the earth flat or not, be it statistics, be it cybersecurity, you should ask if it's useful. That is the first question you should always ask with anything you're ever working on. Is it useful? Is it trivial? Uh, does it require something I already know or do I have to develop something new? Okay, I wanted to get that I out can there. Hear, I can hear the broadcast beep in the podcast feed just cutting out right now as we speak. Is it useful? What purpose does it serve? We're sorry. Cinemodies <laughs> has been canceled. Its, existen its existential existence has been put into question. Oh, yes. Um, so, yes, I, I want to say that about dinosaurs. Uh, there are two other things I wanted to bring up. This is actually something I want your involvement in, Zach. Oh, uh, we Here we go. Well, this is a true blindside. Just, this is more of a blind side than the America's Got Talent thing. I want to do a true or false session with you, Zach. I got two true or false questions for you. He's trying uh, to humiliate me, folks. No, no, I'm not trying to humiliate you. I'm trying to entertain our listeners because I think I got some interesting questions for you. So here we go, Zach. Two questions about dinosaurs. Are you ready? I'm glad we're discussing Jurassic World. That's coming up at, once we get through these two questions. <laughs> okay, right. here we go. True or false? We know what color dinosaurs were. And by we, I mean humans have evidence or knowledge of what colors dinosaurs were. True or false? Uh, false. That was actually true, but only for certain dinosaurs. So the fact of the matter is some uh, pigments, some melanoses, I believe they're called, some cells that generate pigment, have survived in amber but only for maybe two to three dinosaurs, and we know what colors they were. That's pretty I, cool, isn't it? I just want everybody to let everybody at home know that every time he, he talks more than five seconds, the Jurassic World theme just starts playing like so loud I can't hear anything he says. Um, it's very similar to the phenomenon that happens with the, the X-Files music when he would tell Dean Norris theories. Um, like this weird, like every time he starts going off on a tangent or a rant about dinosaurs, I just hear the Jurassic World theme. It gets louder. It's, 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 it's a weird thing. There's only we one more. There's one more question, Zach. <laughs> True or false? Do we know what sound dinosaurs made? Uh, well, it has to be false. That one is false. We have no idea, and I don't think we ever will. You can't. You uh, there is more to vocals, more to uh, sound than just bone structure. Muscles play a huge role in that. Vocal cords, as they're known in humans. And we will never be able to recreate uh, how a dinosaur made sound unless we had the clones like they do in Jurassic Park. So there we go. Okay, thank you, Zach.
that, that, is, that are things people should know about dinosaurs. I have more to say, but I, uh, my, uh, the side of my face looks like the Phantom of the Opera because Zach has sprayed me with so much battery acid. So, Zach, Jurassic World, right? I hope the dinosaurs, when they find out what sound they make, like bark like dogs. Like, you're like bark, bark. Oh like, my god, that. that would be that would be the fucking greatest. <laughs> not like, but not like a dog though. It's it's like a guy imitating a dog barking. So it's just a sa- it's just like onomatopoeia. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> I would love that. I would I'm, gonna make, I'm gonna make a cut of Jurassic World of the the dinosaurs barking every time they make a noise. Ooh, that would be pretty good. Fan at I, it. I guess I have I guess I have one more question for you, Zach. This might be the most important question of all. I'm sorry I didn't ask it earlier. Uh, do you think dinosaurs actually existed? Are you a dinosaur uh, denier? Oh god, what's what's the comical answer I can get to this? Did the dinosaurs find religion? Rob, did dinosaurs <laughs> find religion, true or false? Uh, did they worship the Lord Almighty? False. Well, there you go. Rob, Rob just answered his own question. <laughs> um, moving on to Jurassic World, the actual Yes, film. here we go. Here we go. We've I been recording for we've been recording for four or five hours now. Um, I have no idea. It, it, yes, uh, 30 minutes, and we have yet to talk about the film. Jurassic World. So my experience with Jurassic World, um, I remember when that film came out and the hype leading into it. I remember people like, this movie's going to make $150 million opening weekend. And I'm like, why? It's a dinosaur movie franchise where the last movie is just was absolutely laughed at theaters. I'm like, there's no way. Like, the trailers look stupid. Like, you have a theme park. They, they open the theme park. It doesn't make sense. Who would open a theme park? Like, like, again, how are you going to do this without making it look like stupid Jurassic Park? Like, like yeah. taking the content of the first movie. I know Rob doesn't like that. He does not like the idea of impregnating Laura Dern as a theme to a film. But, like, I get why people would like that. Like, that first film, I get why people fell in love with it. So when the movie opened up, I, I, I am the box office master on top of all these other names that I am. I sat there. It was like it opened to like the, the, the estimates that weekend were like two hundred million dollars. I'm like, what the hell kind of garbage is this? Because this is before uh, Disney era Star Wars. The only movie at that point that ever made that much money was The Avengers, which makes mm-hmm. sense why that movie would make like money because nothing like that had ever done before. Getting all these different comic book characters yep. and putting them in a team up movie that was a novel. In in 2015, uh, the eons ago. The idea of putting a bunch of superheroes in the same movie was a novel concept. Now that is almost as drawn out as having dinosaurs as movie, or I mean played out. So I'm like, what is this? Like the records are coming out and like, oh, it might beat the Avengers record. And I'm like, it better goddamn not to. And it still pisses me off to this day. This is kind of like Rob and the idea of uh, dinosaurs having an impact on how his computer can process data. But when the records came out, Universal said that Jurassic World made $1 million more opening weekend than the Avengers record, beating the Avengers. And I'm like, what kind of garbage is this? this I'm going to go off into a little bit of a Rob tangent right now. Do it. Do it. I can't speak for Rob. This is my opinion. When, when you have record breaking, I believe when somebody beats a record, it should be kind of like how like somebody wins a, a, a set in tennis or a game where you need to like win by like two scores. Like Avengers made two hundred and seven million its opening weekend in two thousand twelve. Jurassic World made two hundred eight and then gets to get the record. I'm like, no, our records are not broken. 
by inches. They're broken by leaps and bounds. And that just pisses me off. Like, if you want to sit there and beat a record, you should have to beat it by, like, at least some sort of, like, pre-designated, like, like factor or, yes. or uh, yes. integer. I, I, Zach said he can't speak for me, but I'm actually shocked. I don't think I've ever known Zach thinks this way, but I fucking absolutely agree. If, if you could repeat this experiment... If you could just release Avengers in a controlled environment over and over and over, it wouldn't make the same amount of money every single week. It wouldn't make the same amount of money every single experiment. Neither would Jurassic World. Neither would any movie. There are so many other confounding variables that go into how much movie does a money how much money does a movie make. So yes, if one movie makes two hundred eight million and another makes two hundred seven, they fucking tied. Statistically, they tied. No one won. That's a fact. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Zach. But, like, it's three years. There's three years' worth of inflation. So, like, clearly ticket oh, prices went up. That so too. That's not – but, again, Hollywood's never going to adjust things for inflation because it would destroy – no modern movie makes half as much uh, or doesn't rake in as much as an audience. never going to do that. So that's neither here nor there. Jurassic World was kind of like a soda. I, I could be paraphrasing. It's been like three years since I read this. Sure, he sure. said Jurassic World is like a soda that's been sitting, maybe not sitting out in the sun, but it's been sitting out for a few days. It's it's not, it has no, uh, oh my lord, fizz in it though, mm-hmm. but it's been sitting out so long, it's going to give you a bad, it's just, it'll get you your sugar high, but there's nothing, there's no oomph to it. It's just, you've been there, you've done okay. that. It's just, it, again, and I don't even think that's the worst of this movie. You know, I've already mentioned that I watched all these movies in a row and I just built up my anger. But uh, I, I mentioned it briefly before about my teeth hurting. I said this movie made my teeth hurt. Uh, I want to expand on that a little bit. Please do. There, there was something different about this one. Uh, maybe it wasn't just the visuals because there's such a huge time difference between the third and the fourth movie. Um, you know, it wasn't the different directing styles. It is Colin Trevorrow, though. Of course, that has all of its own issues. But while I was watching the fourth one, and I say it in my commentary, it just it gave me a feeling that was different than the rest. And it was a really, really strange feeling. And when I recorded my commentary, I couldn't nail it down. I was like, I was like, what is this feeling? You know, I don't, I'm, I'm probably not explaining it well, but this movie stirred something up in me that I could not explain right off the bat. And if you hadn't noticed, I, I like to be a pretty verbose person. So I, I gave it some thought, you know, the next day or two days after I listened to my commentary to make my notes. And I was still like, what is like, what did this feel like? And now hearing you say that, like drinking the soda that's been out in the sun, that is actually pretty good to describe what I felt. That actually comes pretty close. I thought of my own literally four hours before we recorded. I was at lunch. I was in a lunch meeting, and I had this thought, and I was like, that's it. That's how this movie makes me feel. So here we go. I want to paint a picture. Imagine you wake up. Like, that's how we start this scene. You wake up, and you're kind of in a haze. It's not just that, like, post-sleep stupor. You actually feel kind of groggy or something. Like you chugged a bunch of Benadryl and you're groggy and you don't know what's going on and you're slowly coming to your senses. And as you come to your senses, you know, very quickly, I'm saying this maybe like three, four seconds, you realize you're in the dentist's office 
And your dentist, you're reclining back in the chair, you know, like you've been anesthetized for the operation or something, and that's what you're coming out of. You're sitting back reclining in the chair. You see the dentist, your dentist in front of you, just laughing with the mask on. Like, no, you can't see their mouth. They got that, like, uh, mask, whatever that's called. And you just know, yeah, yeah, you just know they're laughing. And then as you continue to regain your senses, you realize all of your teeth are in your hand. That's the way this movie felt. That is what I'm saying. I That is legitimately how I would describe this. Realizing that all of your teeth are in your hand and your dentist is laughing at you. I think that is very close to the soda sitting out in the sun drinking that. That is a great way to describe how this movie makes me feel. Uh, I would go a step further. Um, this movie, uh, I, I think Rob made some valid points. Um, <laughs> um, I think mine's a little bit more concentrated or maybe coherent in the sense of my analogy. Um, this is how I describe Jurassic World. Uh, are you are you aware of Nathan Fielder's show Nathan for You? Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. All right, I think everybody's aware of the fact that he had a show. He had an episode called Dumb Starbucks. I think Rob's familiar with that. Oh yeah, and oh, where yeah. he did a parody of a Starbucks store where everything the show and the actual concept of for people who don't know Nathan Fielder. In his show, Nathan for You, helps small business owners by creating these weird, like, cockamamie schemes of, like, how to make money using, like, uh, legal loopholes, technicalities. And for this one episode, he says, he told a coffee shop owner, I'm going to make you a store called Dumb Starbucks. And it's taking basically the regular, typical Starbucks store, but just adding the word dumb before it. So you have Dumb Starbucks, the location, Dumb Starbucks coffee, Dumb Starbucks, uh, uh, I don't know what they serve there, like croissant, dumb Starbucks, Nora Ephron CD. It's like <laughs> all, all these things. And when I saw that, I saw this, I saw that episode after Jurassic World. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, this is exactly what Jurassic World is. Jurassic World is dumb Jurassic Park. It's everything. It's trying to emulate Jurassic Park so much, but it's yep. the dumbest version of, of that movie. Big time. Fucking big time. That is probably my biggest complaint in my commentary is how stupid every scene is. It's, 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 okay. Um, so I went to go see Jurassic World like a week after it was in theater, after it opened in theaters. And I was like, okay, I try to go in with an open mind, but I was like seething with anger. <laughs> and I can sit there, I can, I chronicled all this because in June, uh, June, look at the date right now, June 17th, 2015, I wrote a review for Jurassic World. I'm a little disappointed Rob didn't read it, because I figured this is the kind of thing Rob would, like, lose his mind over reading, because just of how over-the-top and hyperbolic it is. Yeah, but where it, was this? Like, where was this located? Like, I don't I don't think I saw it in 2015. The, my review? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't remember it. I mean, I, well, I, I, I feel like it... Posted. I didn't really. I think I posted on Facebook once or twice. Yeah, so that's what I, I mean. You know, that's not something I I use frequently. So like, where where would I be able to find this now? You wouldn't, unless unless you deliberately. Oh, I'd searched. have to. I'd have to get it from you or something. Well, it's out there. It's still public. If anybody wants to find my Tumblr page that um, I haven't used in like two years, it's it's Rogue Knight. Like, if, if you ever want to find me on the internet, just type Rogue Knight into into Google, and you'll find like my entire life history. Every go, everybody since, like, go post. Everybody, everybody go post on his all his accounts and ask him if he wants a Hummer. What if we add a Hummer? Who is we? I got this. 
Watch the front counter. Oh, man. Call that. Um, uh, no, please don't do that. Uh, I'm still scarred. I just want to record getting right back in the claws. Ever since I blame you, Pork Knight, again, our listener. Ever since I cannot escape that show. It's oh, on TV. Right. I saw Solo again. It was in the pre-show for Solo. I was in Target. I saw the DVD. It's on TV commercials like every 15 seconds. I cannot escape that awful, awful show. This is the double feature of Misery. We're going from Claws, which is the TV version of Jurassic World. Maybe not as bad because at least Jurassic world had the temple of Jurassic park to follow and screwed it up somehow but this is a double feature of misery much like how the clause episode was the addendum of misery the dinor series jurassic world and clause back to back is the double feature of sadness that's our connection for the two series misery yes misery <laughs> um a lot of misery jurassic world two around the corner the misery is gonna be it's never ending oh, but God. no so i wrote a review of jurassic world it's like God, it's like 10 paragraphs long. Like, I was really proud of myself. And to this day, it's probably the greatest thing I've ever written. Because I, it's just, it's so much, it's so much, like, Rob, uh, I'm going to do my Rob impersonation. Yes. I just love people. Okay, I wasn't good. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I got to try one more time. Uh, take two. I just love people who have emotion. I need, I love people who are passionate. People who just love things. And this is me at my finest of things that are passionate. So once again, I'm a little hurt that Rob didn't read this. You probably saw it was like 14 paragraphs and said, F this. No, um, no, I honestly, I honestly just didn't look for it when you told me about it before we recorded this. And I honestly don't remember ever hearing about it before. So the title of the review is Jurassic World quote rant view. That's why I was calling these. I did three reviews. I did one for Jurassic World. One for Terminator Genesis. I was going to do one for Ant-Man until I realized there's literally nothing of importance that goes on during that film. It's, I'm just wasting my time. It's kind of like it's like critiquing a saltine cracker. There's nothing to discuss there. And the last one I did, the third and last one I did, was a uh, stop-motion film called Hell and Back that I'm pretty sure I am one of like six people on this earth that has ever even seen that film. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of it unless you've told me about it. Nobody has. And it's definitely a cinemodity because I wrote another fabulous review for that. Nice. that that's, it's not as good as the Jurassic World one, but it's certainly better than the Terminator Genesis one. I think basically all the points I have left about this movie, they're just random nonsense. Talk about the dinosaurs and the feathers. Uh, see, I, I've already even decided not to bring up the whole feather thing. That could be another 45-minute discussion. That could be another 45-minute discussion, okay, about Why the dinosaurs and feathers. <laughs> Simpsons reference. Yeah, that was great. Okay, go for it, Zach. You throw it at me. I will. I will comment. We'll see. Oh, was... I want to hear the, the the feathers and the, the well. No, that's skin more. Rant. That's more academic and and formal studies of dinosaurs. I got through that. I decided to cut all that out. You know, that oh. that could be like a bonus a bonus thing. I I I think you know. I want to talk about like there was one thing I liked in this movie, and then we can talk about what when it ended. Like. How about that? When it. Well, well, that goes without saying. There was one ass actual part of this movie that I really enjoyed and I screamed about in my commentary. Do All you right. want? Can I talk about it? Please do. Uh, spoiler alert! At certain, I don't even know what this is a fucking spoiler. I barely remember the plot of this goddamn movie. One dinosaur has to fight another. That's the plot of this movie. Um, at a certain point in this movie, it is revealed that B. D. Wong 
is working with Vincent D'Onofrio. Do you remember this? Yeah, of course. How could I At forget? this point in the movie, I was both so angry, so uh, adrenalized, so drunk, that I just thought of this as the BDVD combo. The B.D. Oh, Wong and Vincent D'Onofrio combo. And so in my commentary, I'm like, we get the B.D.V.D. combo. This has never happened in any other movie ever before, I think. B.D. Wong and Vincent D'Onofrio have never teamed up like they did in this. It's the B.D.V.D. combo. Two of my favorite performers. We got the B.D.V.D. combo. That is that is the best thing about this movie. The B.D. VD combo. Do you need me to say it again, Zach? I think that's going to be the the reverse, the reverse uh, played reverse during the <laughs> ending. I have a, I have a Jurassic World question that, that you just brought up. Yes. Um, there's a point, like Rob already mentioned. There's a point in the film where Vincent D'Onofrio goes to BD Wong and says, "I am taking over now." Um, uh, uh, Indian Peter Hammond is dead. I guess I, it's not a character. I, there's no characters in this movie. Nobody's yes, a character. He flies is a, his helicopter into into glass. <laughs> yes, every character in this movie is an archetype. Like there's no character there. They're just you could literally just much like how there's a guy McFace. Um, there is no guy <laughs> McFace in this. Um, Chris Chris Pratt is Hero Man. Um, uh, you have uh, Bryce Howard is female sidekick. Um, you yep. have children that need to be rescued. You have mad scientist. You have uh, uh, war profiteer. Uh, you have and you have dinosaurs. Dinosaur one, <laughs> dinosaur two, dinosaur or villain dinosaur. Oh, bi- uh, I, I called s- it big dinosaur. <laughs> oh no, it's villain dinosaur because it's it's okay. We're gonna get into this in a moment. But okay, going back okay, to the, okay. the the BDVD scene, the BDVD okay, so combo, the BDVD combo. combo. <laughs> he goes in there and tells BD Wong, "I'm now in charge." And I'm taking over, and BD Wong just sits there and just kind of like stares into the void. And I'm like, they both work for the same company. They've been working together this whole time. How is this like a plot twist? They work for the same. They both work for InGen, but they're in different. Uh, what would it be? Uh, departments. Sub- not even departments. Like sub corporations. Like I guess it's like they're all part oh. of the same parent company. I, well, I, I thought of it, you know, it's like when they report to their job at Jurassic World, they have to go to different locations. I just think of that as departments from academia, but that idea, right? They're going to different think, sectors does, or something. Does, does, does VD even sit there? Like, because he shows up and Chris Pratt's like, what are you doing here? So, like, he's somebody who's like, and he's like, has no idea what Chris Pratt's doing. He's Chris That's Pratt's right. boss, yet he has right. no clue what Chris Pratt's doing. Like, he sees a bunch of, like, dinosaurs. He's like, I'm going to weaponize these as soldiers. It's like, that's a plot point. Yeah, yeah. I see and what you're saying. Nobody questions this. I see what you're saying. You're saying that VD is more like a manager that got brought in and, like, it's like everybody do things my way, where BD is more of the head of that department. Well, yeah. Well, I think okay, they're both okay. heads of their yeah. respective departments. But, like, somehow Vincent D'Onofrio has been Chris Pratt's boss all this time. Because I think, I'm not sure if it's said in the film, but the park's been running for a few years. Oh, yeah, so it's I not like they're just, like, this is, like, opening. Like, if this was opening, it would explain a lot of the plot holes in this. And so, like, Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio has been aware of this entire time. But somehow he's just now aware of the fact that 
Chris Pratt is like controlling the Velociraptors or yeah. is training them, despite the fact that he's been planning this this entire time. It's like <laughs> it, there's this weird sort of like like logic like loophole or like yes. Yeah, like, you're right. Anyway, though, no, you're I, right. I mean, it doesn't make it, any sense. It doesn't make it makes absolutely no fucking sense. The whole nothing in this movie makes any sense. No, no, you're right. I, and I'm I'm really I'm kind of upset at myself right now. Once again, like I said at the start, I made a fucking mistake. I decided to watch these all in a row, and this was at the end. I think because of that, not just because of that, but that played a role in it. Uh, I focused on like the the intra-scene errors. Like, when they gave me a five-minute scene, I was like, oh my god, the dialogue makes no sense. The fucking scene with the big dinosaur where they're like, it's not in the cage! And I'm like, it's in the cage. And they're like, but it's, there's nothing on the sensors! And I'm like, it's fucking in the cage. And they're like, well, let's go in the cage. And it's a big reveal that the dinosaur is still in the cage. It's like, are you stupid? The movie's been going on for 25 minutes. Of course the fucking dinosaur is still in there. Like, that's the only way for this to progress. Uh, so I'm a little upset at myself that I missed some of the bigger logical errors of this movie. But that, that's why I got you, Zach, right? Together, oh, we yes. form a, together we form a real person. Can we? Can that be our next merchandise thing? Like no. a shirt or something? That we, 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 have, we, have, we haven't said that enough yet. Much like how every episode has the term except for Rob. <laughs> Uh, we have we, we haven't earned the right to merchandise that yet. This is true. We, this is only the second episode I, I've actually set it in. So, okay. But anyway, back to Jurassic World. My review was titled Jurassic World Rant View or How Blue the Velociraptor is the Love Interest Chris Pratt Deserves. Yes. That That is my review. And in my review, I break down. Like I, I can go even further. At that point, I'd only seen the film once. Uh, after now seeing it three times, I think I could dissect every single like scene in this film and tell you why it's wrong. Um, <laughs> I think going back to uh, Colin Madman Trevorrow, I think Colin Trevorrow has a level of contempt in uh, I, I maybe even despisement for his audience that is unheard of amongst blockbuster filmmakers. Between this is now our second Colin Trevorrow film, yeah, and I think it's clear that this man obviously. He does not follow the normal conventions of cinema and filmmaking. I think that's safe to say. But at the same time, I think there's a level of, I do not like my audience. I'm going to make this so stupid. It's kind of like if you're a farmer and you have pigs and you're feeding them like instead, like you're feeding them slop, but you also crap in the slop just to see (laughs) how much of it they'll eat. And when they eat it all, you kind of get even more angry because they didn't even realize you fed them crap. You're crap and they still ate it. Um, but like getting into this film, I'm really tempted to just read my review and just having Rob bounce off of it. I figure Rob, Rob loves doing stuff like this, and I figure that's a lot easier than me just picking specific scenes. I have, I to, I have to throw back. That was one of the best analogies you've ever given me, Zach. It's like feeding your pig and crapping in what you feed your pigs to see how much they'll eat of it and then getting angry when they eat <laughs> all of it. That's fucking great! I'm going to say that to students in future years to come. I'm going to say that to people I teach. That's a great saying. I love it, Zach. Where's our breaking new ground sound? (laughs) All right. So this is my review for Jurassic World. My rant view. I'm going to read my review. I'm going to go by paragraph by paragraph. I want Rob to bounce off what I say. No one walks into a movie wanting to hate it. No one. Only twice have I walked into such a circumstance. The Dark Knight, and Jurassic World. As most Americans who view The Dark Knight in the summer of 2008, 
I was blown away by many facets. The complex characters, the grandiose nature of the story, and ultimately the elevation of the source material. As I walked into Jurassic World this afternoon, I honestly did not expect much. The marketing always left me cold, and the reviews only pushed me further away from the film. It's only because I had two free tickets to see the film that I decided to take a trip to Jurassic World. Make sure I'm on the same page. You say in this one that you walked into Jurassic World this afternoon. So this review is right after you saw yes. it. Cool. Okay. Okay. You're getting um, my opinions at the ground level. Right. Three years on. ago. Right on. Good. I just wanted to make sure I was on the same page. Okay. I'm with you. Here we go. All right. Paragraph two. When talking to friends and family about this film, I always refer to it as Jurassic Park because it always looked like a facsimile of the 93 film. It seemed like they took every touch point from the 93 film and copied it over to Jurassic World. One of the first shots in Jurassic World is that of a complete flyover of the park from the famous Jurassic Park gates accompanied by the legendary John Williams theme swelling in the background. In the 93 film, this was a stirring moment. We were entering the park for the first time. We had no clue as to what was behind those gates, or the chaos those gates were holding back. The gates symbolizing the latch on Pandora's box. In Jurassic World, we get the exact shot with identical musical cues, yet the scene has no more than one-tenth of the impact it did in 93. We know what's going to happen in Jurassic World. The awe is gone. It's the equivalent of going into your local town's Halloween horror maze that's been there for 20 years. You know where all the scares will be. Hell, you're, you are essentially waiting for your friend Jerry to pop up and scare you in his, quote, crazed doctor costume. You'll enjoy the experience of it all and even get that ping of nostalgia. But ultimately, it's a hollow experience, especially when you consider that only improvements made in the last 20 years are the shiny new horror props that sit in the dark corner. Okay, okay. Second par- at the end of the second paragraph, um... No, I, I pretty much agree. Uh, my my big pushback was the reference to Pandora's box, but it kind of is Pandora's box because for our listeners and for Zach, I don't know if we ever talked about this. A key element of Pandora's box that the last thing that comes out of it is hope. That's a fact. That's the original Pandora's box story. The last thing to come out of Pandora's box after all the chaos is hope, and we really do kind of get that in this movie. It's like. Like, the end of this movie is, oh, yeah, having children is great. It's potential for the future. So I like that. I really like that. And I agree with uh, everything else you said. Uh, the one thing I want to ask you, though, is when you say that the scene, this, this you know, I- identical scene, which I totally realize watching these movies consecutively, Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, all those similarities, is seeing that exact shot cut down in impact because you saw the original Jurassic Park and loved it so much. I would imagine there's there's a decent amount of people that saw this movie and had not seen the previous. I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that's a, no, a certain it's, subset. It's, it's, no, this is dumber version. This is why it's the dumber version. Is that when you first get to that moment in the first Jurassic Park, they get to the gates, and the gates are just so... What, what would be the thing? They're so... Non, I guess not the right word, but nonchalant. There's nothing spectacular. Spect- it's just a gate that says Jurassic yes, Park. You're right. You're and right. You have, yes. And you know, like, okay, there's dinosaurs behind here, but it's just, it's forest and there's a gate. That's it. In this, you see the monorail sweeping. It's <laughs> like, it plays like an infomercial almost. It's yeah. Like, it, like the camera is swooping. It's going in and out. The, the, the little, uh, the boy with the girl hair is like, look, look, the front of the train. And it's like, bum, 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 bum. And as you see the, and the camera swooping, 
into the large lake or the, the Shamu Aquarium, and you have this, and you see the hotel, you see this. It's playing, it's playing up this grandiose nature, yet it's all, it's like, it's the equivalent of going to like a funeral or a wake. You have an embalmed human body. Yes, it looks very pretty, but it's all dead on the inside because the park is good. It's, it's all going to fall apart. Like you, you know that, again, this is going back to the Pandora's thing. The Pandora's box. You know Jurassic World cannot exist because a park with freaking dinosaurs that are like four stories tall and eat other meat creatures that are carnivores, it cannot exist. Yep. The the lore that Jurassic Park has set up, and you have to watch this with Jurassic Park because they in this film they ignore Lost World in three. They ignore that. Um that doesn't exist in this in, mm, in the Jurassic uh, World I cinema. So, I don't know. Yeah. Raptors talk to each other. That's that's basically the best way to reference Jurassic no, Park Col- three. <laughs> Colin Madman Trevorrow said that two and three don't exist in this universe. Oh well, fuck him. <laughs> well, yes, I agree wholeheartedly with that. But okay, no, no, I like your I, I like your answer. I like that clarification. That's what it is, though. This movie yeah. it's taking it's taking stuff that's already be, been seen. I would imagine if you polled the audience of Jurassic World, I'd say the majority of people who saw that film have seen Jurassic Park, yeah, or that, at the very least, that's the point. Know all the touch points from it. Yeah, that, right. that is a, a hallmark movie for sure. Uh, I yeah, most people, like you said before, or one of us said before, regard that as as a masterpiece to some extent, and they know about it. Okay, okay, I'm with you. Uh, okay, right. I'm ready. ready for the next all one. right, paragraph three. The only facet of Jurassic World that improves on Jurassic Park is the special effects. The visual effects and sets are impressive. The dinosaurs in the actual Jurassic World Park look spectacular. At this point, you're probably wondering, quote, what else matters? Well, a lot, actually. Especially when all of your human characters are less fleshed out than the dinosaurs. <laughs> One of the many elements that made Jurassic Park such a classic was its human characters. Each character was developed and felt like a three-dimensional person. Even side characters, Samuel Jackson's technician and Wayne Knight's two-bit villain, all have character motivations that make their character choices understandable. Is Wayne Knight Wayne Knight's Newman, right? Yes. Okay. I was wondering what his name was. He's still Newman to me. Uh, no, th- this paragraph I actually I completely agree with. Um, I, I I only said that Jurassic Park three was my favorite. Uh, Jurassic Park one is certainly the the, the runner up. Jurassic Park one is you know it's long. It has the whole kid aspect, which I despise. But that's the only movie out of all four that they actually spend time on the question of. Well, should we create life to control it? And like Zach said, what do our characters think and feel about that? They're three-dimensional. So, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, Here, you know, we get Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, who were, like, fucking mannequins. Like, like, I don't like either of them in any respect. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Zach. On to the next one. Trust me, we'll get get to uh, Hero Man and uh, Bryce Howard in a moment. Cool. All right. Paragraph four. In Jurassic World, not one human character is developed in any meaningful way. Our main hero, Chris Pratt's Owen, is a former Navy SEAL and a now dinosaur trainer. In parenthetical, these scenes would be side-splitting hilarious if it weren't for the horrible dialogue. In parenthetical. That's it. We know nothing else about him other than than him and our heroine, Claire, Bryce Dallas Howard, went on an ill-fated first date. When all hell breaks loose in Jurassic World, Claire goes to Owen to save her nephews, solely because he's been designated, quote, hero man by the film's script. Yeah. 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 A hundred fucking percent. 
I, I, I don't think I have anything to add because, you know, I just I have a general distaste for Chris Pratt. Uh, I, I first saw him in Parks and Recreation where he played a bumbling fucking idiot. And if he went full retard, that's a good way to say it. He went full retard and I do not respect him for it. You went full retard, man. Never go full retard. And I've never seen him. I don't I don't think he's good in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I don't think he's good in anything. That's just me. I'm biased. Uh, but Bryce Dallas Howard, I have a lot less experience with. And like I said, she's just a she's just a goddamn mannequin, I think. <laughs> the whole movie. So yeah, they're they're yes. Uh, basically this whole movie is just what happens next, the script. Like that's how you, you would describe the plot. I'm with you, Zach. I'm with you so far. All right. Next paragraph. Let's now segue into Jurassic World's child characters. Oh, fuck. Can we Zach- skip this paragraph? Oh, no, no. Oh, no, baby bird. I'm going to feed you good. So Jurassic World's child's characters. Zach, who I feel ashamed sharing the same name as this character, and Gray. Zach and Gray are Claire's nephews. Zach is generic teenager number three. And Gray is generic kid who loves dinosaurs. These two serve no purpose other than being a reason for Owen and Claire to venture into Jurassic World. Every scene these two characters share makes absolutely no sense. They are there to be our virgin eyes into Jurassic World, showing us the park for the first time. Except, we've been here before. Jurassic Park already explored the splendors of the dinosaur theme park. It's the equivalent of your friend telling you about the first season of your favorite TV show, which you've watched all ten seasons of and know the dialogue inside out and inside out and backwards. You're essentially being forced to consume something you've already digested. Yes, yes. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not reading ahead. I'm sticking with you, Zach. You might reference this in a later paragraph, um, but you you say it perfectly. Zach is generic teenager number three, and Gray is generic kid who loves dinosaurs. That Wasn't that basically what we got in the first Jurassic Park? We had the little boy who loved dinosaurs, and then we had his older sister who was just kind of along for the ride. Yes, yeah, but yeah, at least, yeah. yes, but those characters at least aren't obnoxious, and it gives Ooh, Sam oh. Neill a reason to care. It Absolutely. gives him a reason. Yes. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, that they were both equally terrible. They were both terrible because they were children and they had terrible roles. They didn't need to be in this movie. But yeah, even the children in Jurassic Park 1 were very much more fleshed out than in Jurassic Park 4. And and that's what I'm getting from what you're saying here. You know, Even though you didn't say it specifically, Colin Trevorrow, once again, this is another example, how he copied that same dynamic. He made it monogender. I want to point that out. He lost the female and made it dumber. That's like a hat trick of failure. Right? It's I think the ultimate thing with this movie is Colin Trevorrow was told we want it's it's the Force Awakens dilemma. Mm-hmm. We want a soft reboot of this film. Do that for us. And where JJ, even though I think JJ is a corporate shell, he at least understood what makes Star Wars nineteen seventy seven work. He understands that movie. Colin Madman Trevorrow does not understand why anything in Jurassic Park works. Yeah, but I'll give yes. it this one caveat. If he does understand how it works, he if he does, he absolutely hates it, and he's going to crap in it and see if his audience recognizes it. Yes. That's, yes. The, that's the only explanation, is that he either does not understand it, or he does understand it, and he's intentionally making bad decisions to see how far he can p- try to pull off his audience. But back to Zach. I really wish this character was named something else, and Gray. 
All they do is explore the park. We see them. We see them do exciting things like ride an escalator. When does ride the ride a start? When does even, the ride start? This and, is the ride. Well, I thought you liked that other amusement park, Escalator Land. No way! That park was for babies. Dad, when do we get to the ride? This is the ride. Yippee! The Escalator Land is all the fun of walking upstairs. And even stand in line. Even though it's mentioned numerous times, they have front-of-the-line passes. That's another thing. It's said. Bryce Howard says you have front-of-the-line passes, yet they're always waiting in line for oh something. Oh, my God. You're s How did I not realize this? You're so fucking right. I vividly remember them being told they could cut the line, and I also vividly remember them standing in line. You know why? He screwed that up, right? Uh, I don't. He, he needs, he, in order to, for them to have di pointless dialogue together, he, he needs them to be standing online together. Yet, so when they get in the stupid ball and they go like off-road, off off-trail, they need an excuse as to why they're allowed to do that. And obviously, nobody thought about the fact of doing that. Instead of saying, oh, they have VIP passes and just leaving it there, they weren't clever enough to sit there and do both. And that's what it was. Because it's like in that they need a line of dialogue that would explain the, the going off trail later on. And Colin Madman Trevorrow and his writing partner, Derek Connolly, weren't clever enough to try to, to reconcile those two oh, things. God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh -huh. <laughs> it is terrible. Um, because uh, SHIT has yet to even hit the fan in Jurassic World, and I want to see these characters be Dino Lunch. The most awkward scene for these characters comes relatively early in the film, where they are riding the monorail. Monorail. Gray, the younger brother, starts a crying fit about how their parents are getting divorced. This scene comes out of nowhere and goes nowhere. The dialogue here is awkward and bizarre. This is a movie about a dinosaur theme park, yet there's a scene like this that belongs in a completely different film. It's just baffling. Yeah, this is where the film's problems ultimately lie. The script. <laughs> oh, Zach. Oh, Zach. I didn't know you were going to reference this this scene in particular. Oh, it's the greatest scene in, uh, scene in film history. This is, this is one of the scenes that uh, led me to thinking of, of a phrase. Zach and I talked about a phrase very much like this that I had in response to an Unsolved Mysteries segment uh, that I really, really like, and I say I really like, but it is dark as fuck. This, this is what I said. Here we go. When I was recording my commentary for this, we get this scene where these, this little, little fucking kid starts crying for no reason about his parents' divorce. In my commentary, I say, if I wanted to watch a family drama movie, I would have shot myself. If I wanted to watch a family drama, I would have shot myself. That was my review of that scene. And I love that phrase now. That's a really good Robism, as Zach has put them before. Uh, if I wanted to experience blank, I would have shot myself. That's a really good one, you know? You can make, like, Mad Libs out of that. And that's honestly how I felt at the end of fucking six and a half hours of dinosaur movies that were all about family. I would have watched something else if I'd known it was going to force it down my fucking throat. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that scene up, Zach. I hated it. Uh, I was about to say just as much as you, but maybe their our hatred is incomparable. No, I think I, I think I think Rob does not like this film. 
I think my seething hatred for this film, um, even though it's not as bad as it was three years ago, it's still there. Because the they're airing this on TV like every five minutes. Like if you have like TNT or like TBS, or no, not uh, USA because it's NBC, uh, Comcast. Um, if you have access to USA, like that's all they play now. They play Jurassic World twenty four seven. If you like reruns of NCIS, you are in trouble. Because all they're playing is Jurassic World for the next month. And like the movie came on, and this is before I rewatched it, and I'm like, I do not want to watch it anymore. So like even like the first, like like the first shot of the movie is like a dinosaur being hatched out of an egg. And it's like, oh dinosaur. Then the very next scene is like the kid like with those I don't even think they make them anymore. Those stupid like uh viewfinders where you put the little like paper card in yeah. and you pull the little lever. Like I don't even think kids these days even know what that is. Like, that is such a, a weird thing to put in a 2015 blockbuster. Oh, my God. I didn't but, pick up on that, but you are so right. I hate this. <laughs> like, I've overanalyzed this. Film. I actually have to stop. Like, as I was oh watching God. it, I had to stop doing this because I was getting myself angry. Um, that I, is I, so – the viewfinder. The viewfinder, like you just said, like no one these days would know what that is, right? Nobody under the age of 25 Exactly. Do you remember in our Book of Henry review, I thought it was incredibly anachronistic, and he, he didn't. He wanted to show oh, us yeah. payphones, and he wanted to show us all this old technology, and now we're getting a viewfinder? Zach, I'm losing my mind. That's probably – that sounds like another – that sounds like a Colin Madman, Madman Trevorrow theme. That seems yeah, like something he yeah. would do. It's stupid. You shouldn't do that. There's no fucking point to put modern movies with a slightly outdated technology. Unless you're fucking having retarded. a flat, unless you're having a flashback that's there to set the set the time period, then it's appropriate to the story. Okay, uh, okay, I'll buy that. Like if he's having a flashback, and let's just say it's like twenty years earlier, like it's like let's say it's like right after the first Jurassic Park takes place. Like let's say like Judy Greer, who's who's in this movie by the way, and does yeah. nothing. Men, women, um, and children. You. Yes, the part, yeah, part, oh god, Judy, oh god, like the Dean Norris universe where we have the Judy Greer universe. <laughs> Cue um, the X-Files music. <laughs> but, like, if you were to have a, like, let's say, for example, like, like I think the opening to this film is awful. You have a movie about a dinosaur theme park, and the first shot is a dinosaur being hatched. Fine, makes perfect yep. sense. And then the very next shot is it's a transition. So you see a bird, which I which I imagine that's kind of Rob's. And the fact that dinosaurs uh, eventually evolved into, or I guess the closest relative to a dinosaur in the modern era is birds. That is and true. See, but I I saw that more as a callback to the first movie, where Sam Neill's character was the person who was on like the cutting edge of that theory. Uh, that's oh, what okay. I thought of, of watching them all right together. The whole first movie starts with Sam Neill going, yes. "They're evolved from birds," and the little kids are like, "This other dude says blah blah blah." I thought them going with the crow and the bird aspect was that throwback. Um, I don't think – fine. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. It also anyway, is true that they are most genetically similar to, to birds and aviary, aviary species. So you have that, the, the stupid little kid with the girl hair. Judy Greer is like, did you push it? Like stupid like, like lifetime movie dialogue. And so like they go out like, we, we have to get to the airport. Your plane's about to leave. And you said they have like the older son – the one that unfortunately has the same name as me sits there. He's like, he's like with his girlfriend, and he's like, I'm gonna miss you, baby. She's like, I'm gonna think of you every night. And it's like, why is this in the movie? Why is this in the movie? Why? So it's like, okay, but let's just give it the benefit of the doubt. Like you're watching this for the first time. He has a girlfriend. Maybe like she stows away with him. No, 
The only quasi-payoff this has is that all this... Now, I'll get to this in my review in a moment. All this kid does is stare at other teenager girl, teenage girls. He that's does. all he does. That's his entire character. He's, like, somewhat bored being at a dinosaur theme park. That's and he just right. likes ogling girls his same age. That's, that's his character. You are so fucking right, Zach. I actually... I didn't write it down in my notes, but you, you saying it made me remember... Um, we haven't talked about it on Cinemodities yet. I don't think Zach has seen it yet, but there is a movie called Escape from Tomorrow that gets a lot of flack because it's of an older man ogling younger girls at a theme park. This movie does it way worse than Escape from Tomorrow. Like, this movie makes it seem creepy. Escape from Tomorrow makes it seem like it's a metaphor. This was way creepier than Escape from Tomorrow. Like, exactly. and even even the fucking distance in ages, like literally the dude in Escape from Tomorrow is like 50. That's a, that that makes it creepy. But Jurassic World outdoes even that with a teenager looking at other teenagers. It's fucking weird. And not even like that. It's weird. It's, it has no payoff. Like he has a girlfriend and all he's doing is ogling other teenage girls and there's no payoff for that. It's established yep. she has a girlfriend which has no point in the story. We never see her again. At the park, all he does is ogle other teenagers. And then there's another point in the movie where Judy Greer calls Bryce Howard and is like, you have to watch my son. The older one's really mean to the younger one if you don't stop them. There was my assistant. She's British, so like they invented nannies. <laughs> Wait, are you crying? This was supposed to be a family weekend, Claire. You haven't seen the boys in forever, and, and I know how Zach will treat Gray if they're by themselves, and he could just be so mean. And Judy Greer's, like, crying in front of a meeting or something? Like, a whole yeah, boardroom full of people? It's a literally a boardroom full of people. <laughs> a guy comes out, like, motions to her, points at his watch, goes back to the meeting. And we, <laughs> and we never see Judy Greer again except for the last moment of the film. It's like where she doesn't say anything again. It's like it's like it's established like the older son. He has three character traits. He has a girlfriend. He likes looking at other teenage girls and we never see him do this. But he's mean to the younger brother on occasion. Yeah. Apparently. yeah. Oh, he can, <laughs> he can fix old cars. It's, oh, that's yeah, also that. never established fuck in the that. movie. He just apparently can fix cars, and he can fix a 25-year-old Jurassic Park car that's been sitting yeah. in a damp, fuck. moist thing by swapping out the battery. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that, Zach. Fuck <laughs> that. I was so angry about that, especially after watching the first Jurassic Park, where there's actually lines about how all their vehicles aren't just regular vehicles. Like, they got the shit, it's basically the monorail jeeps in the first movie that they go on, that, like, get they get stranded on, but then there's also the gas-powered jeeps, but there's even, like, a tiny line of dialogue in the first movie, I'll have to get the clip in here, where they say it's, like, a hybrid or something. Hey, kids, this is Rob. I couldn't find this clip in Jurassic Park 1, and I don't want to rewatch the whole movie to do so. So who knows if it even happens? Like, fuck you! This kid would never be able to fix that, even if it was... Oh, in pristine condition, he has no idea what modifications the original Jurassic Park put on their vehicles. N bullshit. 100%. That car will never get fixed except by B.D. Wong since he was in the original Jurassic Park movie. I don't know what paragraph we're on now. I think, uh, I think to say the script is garbage, yeah. Okay. To say the script is garbage would be generous. <laughs> Anytime a character opens their mouth, it is cringe-inducing. 
The monorail divorce scene is one of the more egregious offenders, and there are many others. The most worthy belongs to Vincent D'Onofrio's Vic, who wants to use the Velociraptors as modern infantry. Yeah. Claiming Velociraptors can't be bartered, hacked, or deterred in their pursuit of their prey. <laughs> Hence, they are the perfect soldier. Pratt's Owen argues with Vic numerous times over this until the story calls for the infamous Pratt riding a motorcycle with a pack of Velociraptors shot. Then Pratt's character does a complete 180 on the issue, which ultimately fails. I'd go more into this, but that's spoiler territory. Obviously, the spoiler warning is clearly off in this case, but that is hysterical. All Chris Pratt does throughout the, every scene that he shares with Vincent D'Onofrio is he argues with him about the Velociraptors being yep. used as weapons. And then until all of a sudden, Chris Pratt just, there's not even a scene where Chris Pratt even relents. He just, at one point we see him petting all the Velociraptors and, and just whatever it is. I, or no, he doesn't yep. pet them. He's he's giving them the, the flesh with the... Uh, the tracker in it with, with uh, Jason Voorhees. Oh, I thought dinosaur. you were talking about the beginning of the movie when well, we that too, first that's, see no, him. No, that's that's hysterical too. Yo, I thought he was gonna fuck this Velociraptor. <laughs> I thought there was gonna be some oral sex going down. I actually, because I thought it was so sexually charged that first scene of him and the Velociraptors, I looked up Jurassic Park porn. Good old oh, Rule Thirty Four. If it exists, there's porn of it. Uh, I don't know if Zach knows this, but there's a, or if our any yeah, listeners want to find some, Rule 34, there's a website, you can find porn of anything. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. It was better than the movies, but it was... It was I, don't, I, 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 I believe it. <laughs> oh man. So, the one, other, the one other thing I want to say about this paragraph, Zach, um, for some reason, while I, while I was watching this movie, before we had the scene of Chris Pratt leading the Velociraptors while he's on a motorcycle... For some reason, I remembered that he was actually riding a Velociraptor. Oh, that'd be great. So here we go. Here's the question. I want to know, what do we think the likelihood of that happening in the sequel is? Because we're going to review the sequel. Let's make oh, a prediction. Gosh. I think he's going to ride a raptor. I think the only issue, if, if, if Colin Madman Trevorrow was directing this, I could see that happening. Wait, he's not? No. It's Wait, Joey Bayonne. J.A. Bayona, who's like Ooh. actually a competent filmmaker. Um, Fuck! Yeah, he's Fuck. not directing. No, remember, because Colin Madman Trevorrow couldn't direct this because he was uh, prepping episode nine until he got oh, fired. God damn it! I wanted to. I thought if Colin Trevorrow was going to direct this one, I would be guaranteed screaming oh, in the theater. Definitely. He's directing okay. the third one. He's directing the third one if that makes Wait, you feel any better. Like there's going to be another Jurassic. Yes, yes uh, ah! I think it, it's July oh 2020. My... We're done. Cinemodity is over. We don't need to do anything else. We're done. Okay, we do, we're done, Zach. Please release me from this hell you have created. <laughs> Jurassic World three, directed by Colin Madman Trevorrow. Oh, okay, next paragraph. Here we go. Keep me in this hell a little longer. <laughs> no, we gotta get back to uh, no. What goes on with the Pratt and the stupid uh, oh yes, uh, sorry. Raptors thing is that we don't even see him have a scene where he relents to Vincent D'Onofrio's pressure. It's just he 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 goes he confronts Vincent D'Onofrio in the control room, punches him in the face. Um, they argue, and then very next time they're together, Chris Pratt is letting the Velociraptor sniff Jason Voorhees' dinosaurs' flesh. With the, the tracker still in it, apparently they still yeah. want the tracker in the flesh. No one decided to take that out. 
<laughs> but they sit there, do that, and he just goes along with the plan. He doesn't even sit there, like, he doesn't argue. Like, considering the fact that we have two scenes where it's established where he is vehemently against this, he just goes, whatever. There's not even a scene where he goes forever. He just goes along with it for some reason. Like, he literally should have said, like, oh, this is what the script needs us to do now. That's exactly, I'm pretty sure at yep. one point you can see him reading the script in between uh, one of the takes, close-up. I gotta take these raptors to get the binosaur? <laughs> <laughs> that was him misreading his lines for the it audience. Is. Home. <laughs> oh, Bi- is oh, that God. the line, binosaur? <laughs> I, I hate this movie so much. Yes. Oh God, so I could, I could do a scene by scene breakdown as to why this is the uh, worst. This is the uh, a cinematic equivalent of the Antichrist. Um, I, I'm ready for the next paragraph because you start to talk about blue and and the uh, sexual blue. aspects of this, and I, that's what I'm interested in. It's worth noting that the title of this is how blue the Velociraptor is the love interest Chris Pratt deserves. Yeah, they were. They were. I, I'm pretty sure in my commentary, I I just say the line like it's silence. And then me going, is Chris Pratt going to mouthfuck this dinosaur? And then silence. Like, I don't even follow it up. I keep watching the movie. That's how serious I was about it. <sighs> All right. Because the, the dinosaur's the... in, like, a contraption, and, like, you can only see its mouth. Like, I mean, <laughs> what else am I supposed to think? Like, I don't want to, like, think I'm a weird oral sex person. So, so it's a dinosaur glory hole? <laughs> it's, a, it's a glory hole for a dinosaur's head. Yes. <laughs> At the end of the day, the best characters of Jurassic World are the dinosaurs, not only because you have empathy for them, but because they are the only characters that are fun. Pratt's four velociraptors are fun because they each have a name and a distinct character trait. Blue, the leader, and the others follow her lead. Blue plays a critical role in the film, especially the climax. Pratt and Blue have more chemistry than any other two characters in the film. It can be argued Blue is Pratt's true love interest in lieu of Claire. Nice. I like that. Quick question. Um, uh, first, first Jurassic Park movie. Big deal was made that all the dinosaurs they breed are female. Do they mention that in this one? Because you you yeah. said her for blue. They do. Okay. Yeah. So they are all there, but but are all the dinosaurs female still? Yeah, I think so. Because every time they use a pronoun, it's a she or a her pronoun. Okay. But but there's no line where they state that once again, right? Like B. D. Wong no. in Jurassic Park one says they're all female. Like Jeff Goldblum, you're fucking stupid. They're female. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Not in this movie? No, not in this movie. Okay, okay, good. That's, that's, that's the one thing I didn't carry over poorly from this film into, uh, or from Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't make a big deal about it, that it was like a social justice Jurassic Park. That everybody was female, right? <laughs> oh, okay, next paragraph, uh, here we go. That's even worth noting, too, with Jurassic with Jurassic World, is that there's only, I would say there's one good scene in this film. One good scene. One. Oh, yeah, the, B, the BDVD combo. We talked about no, it. No, no, not that. No? That's, that's, in, that's in Rob Bizarro World. This uh, it, is the stables? <laughs> <laughs> this is the stables? <gasps> really? <laughs> okay, what, what, what's the good scene, then? Because that's the only good scene I picked out. Yeah. No, the one genuine good scene, not being uh, cynical or being snarky or being jaded, is Chris Pratt and Bryce Howard are walking, and they see the I don't know the dinosaur. It's a dinosaur with a really long neck, and it's been mauled by Jason Voorhees' dinosaur. Okay. And as it's dying, they are comforting, comforting it. 
It's worth noting in this scene, there's no dialogue, which automatically elevates the scene exponentially because <laughs> there's no stupid stuff coming out of any of the actors' mouths. And you're watching the scene, and I, it, I'm pretty sure it's not a digital effect. In the close-ups, when they're holding its head, it is a practical effect. Um, that is the only scene in the film where you actually feel something because you can see, however, the 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 technician that is controlling this contraption, you have empathy for this dinosaur that is on its deathbed and is about to perish. You can actually feel the pain and the suffering it is feeling. Um, there is more acting and more character in that uh, neck animatronic than all of the actors' performances combined. And I'm watching this scene and I'm like, wow, this is a powerful scene. Uh, you know what? Maybe there is some uh, a glimpse of hope in this film. No, because the moment this scene not concludes, but once this character, the dinosaur dies, the camera pans up to Chris Pratt and he literally sees a field of this exact same dinosaur. Like there's like six or seven of them and they're all yes. dead or dying. Yes. Which completely undercuts yes. all the empathy that you're experiencing for this exclusive experience of this one dinosaur. And Chris Pratt turns around and goes, she's not killing for food. She's killing for sport, which might be the dumbest thing to say when it comes to a dinosaur or an animal. There's one thing to be said about animals and it's very rare for an animal unless it's like has rabies or disease. Animals do not kill for fun. They kill exclusively for nourishment. They are not, Animals are not like humans. They don't kill for sport. And Chris Pratt literally says she's killing for sport, which leads me to my next point. Well, well. Oh, go hold ahead. On. Hold on. I I don't know. I, either Zach is not looking at my audio, uh, my video, or he is just bottling up his hatred for me because basically the whole explanation of how he felt for that dinosaur, I was laughing. Uh, <laughs> um, I agree with him. I, I totally under I realized the whole undercut where they focus on one dinosaur for ten minutes and then there's just a field of them dead. I I totally realized that undercut and that's stupid. But I did not feel for this dinosaur. I, I guess I just don't feel for dinosaurs in general. Uh, for anyone out there who is listening to this, including Zach, if you're like, oh Rob, that's mean. That's a living creature. It's not. It's a fucking movie. It's, it's dinosaur. It's fucking okay. real. Okay. Okay. Here we go. No. No. But to, to make Rob, my point, Rob's a sociopath. He can't feel any emotion. Yes. Yes. I. I have. Um, I have very little emotion. But here's the thing. During the scene, which Jack just described and said it was the best scene in the movie, the most emotional thing. He loved it. All that stuff. Um, when they showed the close up of the dinosaur's head as it was like laying on the ground, they showed that the dinosaur had an ear hole. It doesn't have an ear. But it has a hole where you would expect an ear to be. And of course, I didn't include this before, but I went on my own research tirade of, well, do we know if dinosaurs had ears? Like, what the fuck? And apparently that's what the status is, is that dinosaurs, very much like birds, just have a hole. Just have an oral cavity. A-U-R-A-L. Okay? Uh, uh, so, literally, when this scene came on, I did my research, I found out it was accurate. The next thing I say in my commentary is... Jam a fucking stick in its ear. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to see our characters just be like, is it dead? And jam a stick into its ear and have it scream in pain. So, Zach, we could not have had different responses to this scene. <laughs> All right. So, sociopathic Rob aside. No, no, um, this is different because it's a fucking dinosaur. 
No, it's if not. It, you can, if no, it was a take- dog or a cow, it would be completely different. This is just a literal fucking, this is a person's, we have no idea what dinosaurs look like. We only know what two or three of them but colors it's a li- But it's a living creature. In That's the movie. point of it. In a I movie. know, but movies are meant to make, are, are designed to make us feel things. The whole point, you can have an animatronic dinosaur, give it empathy, and have it give a better performance than the other two real-life human actors in the scene with it. I think, A, that's mind-blowing. It yeah. shows that not all hope is not lost for Colin Madman Trevorrow. Because I agree. If he's, if I he's able to pull, putting, putting aside Rob's... Uh, lack of empathy for living creatures, uh, <laughs> cinematic or not. Um, the the scene works because the music's right. The actors are barely like in the scene, and when they are involved, they're not opening their mouths and, and spewing stupid dialogue. It works. It works for what the scene's going to convey. Sure. But the stupid dialogue ruins all of it because between that and the fact that we this this experience, our characters just uh, had together is completely now uh, normalized because it's happening across the entire field. There you go. But I, anyway, back I to the agree. paragraphs of the review. Yes. I'm, not, are- I'm not a sociopath for wanting to hurt dinosaurs. Dinosaurs basically aren't real. I think that's a fair distinction. No comment. But what are our heroes unless they have a worthy foe? The big bad of Jurassic World is Indominus Rex, the first intentionally homicidal animal animal in a modern blockbuster. Well, you can Cujo. look at it. That wasn't a blockbuster. Oh, oh, fair, fair. Sorry, I'm sorry. Movies, that was, that was, oh, with, my with, bad. With homicidal animals, but not like of this size. I, okay, that was my fault. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I guess I might have to take that back. No, Jaws. no, Cujo wasn't a, Cujo was famous to the, like, a, Cujo's a cult classic. Cult, I don't think Cujo had a great okay, theatrical well, let's release. let's take out Cujo, because Cujo also had rabies. Cujo had yes. rabies, and that's understandable for that. It was but it was like, an animal afflicted. Absolutely. I'll take that back that comment and I'll say Jaws. I'll take Jaws because Jaws is an animal that's intentionally homicidal. I, I will I will strike that comment from the record. I will give okay. Colin Madman Trevorrow that. I I don't have a comment. I haven't seen Jaws in fucking years. I think I I really don't but, remember. But you know the premise of Jaws. Yeah, we need a bigger um, boat. <laughs> yes. Okay. You can look at Indominus as the dinosaur version of Jason Voorhees. Indominus kills anything in its path simply because it's bad. Nice. Another baffling decision made by the script. Indominus is eventually taken down by Pratt and his gang of misfits. The climax, one of the few bright spots of the film, is so over the top it will be nearly impossible for the inevitable sequel to top. Are you Which talking worth- about the dinosaur fight scene? Yes. The dinosaur fight scene at the end of the film. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's stupid, but it works on a crowd-pleasing level. I oh, get- oh, absolutely does it work on a crowd-pleasing level. It, it, it does not work at, on a me watching it in my fucking apartment. Even though I have a pretty big TV, which I still think is too big because of Gremlins. Whoa. <laughs> Honey, get my bed. Okay. 
uh, it doesn't work. There's no consequences. It's fucking... It's two animated creatures fighting, and it's like, well, we got the T-Rex and a bigger T-Rex. Like, why is that even the the main dinosaur? Who gives a fuck about the T-Rex? The T-Rex sucked. The pterodactyl is way better at fucking wings. Oh, God. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I went off on a tangent about how stupid it is. But yeah, it's crowd teasing, absolutely. It's worth noting that in the in the uh, pre-release like interviews and stuff for this film, apparently the T-Rex in this is the same one from the first Jurassic Park. They claim that. Like, like the same actual dinosaur. Yes, like same, same exact character. dinosaur. Yes, it's the same dinosaur from the end from Jurassic Park. The one at the end that like walks into like the uh, oh God, the visitor center and has like the banner that falls on. Apparently, it's the exact same dinosaur. Okay. Does Disney own Jurassic Park? No. So when Disney eventually does in tw- in ten years, we're gonna get like the T Rex origin story, right? T Rex, a Jurassic Park story. Yes. Yes, and it's going to be everything from the first movie to the fourth movie. <laughs> oh, God. Hopefully, we will all be dead by then. By that time. <laughs> it's, but going back to the pre-release marketing, apparently, because Steven Spielberg, obviously, is a producer of all these films. Absolutely. He, he said it's the same dinosaur, oh. and this is supposed to be the T-Rex's Unforgiving, where it's the, it's the old-time sheriff having one last blaze of glory. Um, that's what he said. Does it die? Does the T-Rex die in Jurassic World? No. That's the last shot yeah, of the I, movies. I it goes up to the top of the hill and it roars and it cuts yeah, the black. Yeah, I, I didn't think it died. Uh, and it's in the sequel. It's in all the trailers of the sequel. They keep oh, that. Fuck. That's what, If you look for the trailers of Jurassic World 2, it shows um, like Chris Pratt and Bryce Howard are like running away from something and it's about to kill them. And the, and the T-Rex shows up, kills the dinosaur, and roars. So that and it's also and they must save the dinosaur because in the second trailer it shows like Chris Pratt like petting a T-Rex in like its cage. So they obviously save it from the island too. Well, well, a, a big plot point of the second movie is that they go back to the Isla Nubar to save the fucking dinosaurs from a volcano. Yes, like. So I I, I, I read that and uh, that makes sense. What you're telling me makes sense with that information, but that's fucking stupid why do they need to save the dinosaurs don't they all exist on the other island still i don't think the other islands exist because so the second and third movie aren't uh canon oh anymore. god that's right oh okay please please keep reading your review zach okay <laughs> i'm i'm going in fucking circles at this point <laughs> no okay uh okay i have many more qualms with this film i cannot do them justice in this writing the most noteworthy being Claire wearing high heels throughout the duration of the Thank film, which leads that. her through, Thank which you. leads, which leads her through so many varied terrains that shocking that she doesn't break both of her ankles at some point. Yep. Yep. The most hilarious visualization of this is a full body shot of her literally running away from a T-Rex while wearing three inch heels. But these are other issues that will have to be dealt with another day. Absolutely. And I think in the same scene, which she begins running away from that T-Rex, Earlier in that same scene, uh, uh, we basically get the closest thing to a jump scare this movie has. A dinosaur pops out of water or a wall or something stupid like that. And Bryce Dallas Howard hides behind Chris Pratt. Fuck you, movie! Don't start it with saying, Bryce Dallas Howard is such a female empowerment figure, she wants to run the dangerous dinosaurs! And then have her hide behind our male figure. Fuck you! Either she's strong or she's not. Don't pick one based but, on the scene. Pick one based on the movie. 
but Rob, you forgot at one point, uh, Chris Pratt's being attacked by a pterodactyl and she takes the gun out and shoots it three times while he's, uh, being attacked. Well, that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that in my commentary, my, my response was she should have let him die. <laughs> I think he should have got carried away by a, by a pterodactyl. Um, we see in that same scene, I think, or earlier in that scene, another thing that absolutely baffled me, speaking of dinosaurs and what we know about them, we literally see a pterodactyl pick up a baby triceratops, fly it over water, drop it in the water, dive into the water to recover the same thing it just dropped, and then fly off with it. One, we have no idea that's how dinosaurs hunted. We have no clue. That's something, just like the sound they make, we are never going to know. Two, that is literally against all of evolutionary theory. Zach, can, can, you, can you back me up on this? Why would an air creature throw its prey into the water so it could dive into the water just think, to return to the air? I think, drop, I think it drops her. Yeah, I yeah, think I think I think it's an intentional drop too. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's no, caused. No, I think by it, I, no, I think it drops her by it loses it loses its uh, grasp of her. No, I disagree. I think it. I think it is one continuous shot of this pterodactyl preying on a weaker dinosaur. I think that is the point of that scene. Oh, we're gonna wait, we're gonna have to rewatch and do some clips or something. Whoa, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, we, are we talking about the point where the nanny gets dropped into the water and the giant dinosaur eats her and the pterodactyl? No, 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 this is this is another dinosaur being picked up by a pterodactyl. I'm fairly certain it's a baby triceratops in like the petting zoo area. Oh. And it, the pterodactyl drops the baby triceratops into water as you know, it flies away from the dock, drops it into the water. Dives into the water, picks it up, flies back out. Fuck you! Fuck you! Evolutionary theory says no! If an air creature can fly, it will keep its prey in the air! Where it can't go! Fuck it! Fuck! Fuck! Zach, I'm having an aneurysm right now. I'm having a goddamn aneurysm about how much I hate dinosaurs, but how much this movie makes me angry that they couldn't portray them in a reasonable fashion. I'm losing my mind, Zach. I'm losing my mind. I think you have one paragraph left in your yes. review, Zach. Yes. To call this film flawed is kind. I love cheesy movies. I love bad movies. There's a charm to something that goes so hilariously off the rails, which I think is the thesis to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Jurassic World is not an example of this. Halfway through Jurassic World's 124-minute runtime, I was pretty sure I lost my mind. <laughs> At numerous points, I could not believe what I was watching was actually greenlit by a multi-billion dollar corporation. Never mind the record-breaking box office and audience acclaim it's garnering. If you're still reading this, bless you, I implore you to not see this movie. I don't even mean at the movie theater, but in general. Go watch Jurassic Park if you're inclined to see Jurassic World. Seen Jurassic Park already? Watch it again. There's nothing Jurassic World can give you that an umpteenth viewing of Jurassic Park can't. I like end your end review. I like yes, end of review. That is the end. In your last paragraph, this was greenlit by a multi-billion-dollar corporation. This was a this was a big deal. This movie was not just a big deal for the studio; it was a big deal in terms of the box office. What what is this now? One of the highest-grossing movies ever, still, right? I think it's like the fifth highest-grossing. That's film fucking of all crazy time. to me. But that's what it is. That's insane that this movie made so much money. Um, uh, but uh, it, it kind of has to do, I think, with something that 
we haven't really talked about a lot on this podcast because we don't really do current things. We also don't really do mainstream things. This is a turn-off-your-brain movie, as far as I'm concerned. I've said that to Zach a lot in our history before this podcast when we lived near each other. We were going to movies together. I classified a lot of movies as a turn-off-your-brain movie. And, and literally, if you can watch this movie without thinking, you're probably going to enjoy it. I'm, I'm not happy to say that, but I think that would be the case. And, and you know, I've done it before. I've hated on our audience and audiences, gener- audiences in general. The mass public is fucking stupid. So I'm not surprised that they liked this movie. You know, I, I would imagine that if you had the... I don't know, do they still do those things where it's like they interview people as soon as they come out of the theater? They ever do that these days? I I haven't seen that in a while. Okay, well, even if they did that, if I would bet if they did that for Jurassic World, people would be like, the dinosaur fight at the end. That's what they would talk about. No one would remember the rest of the movie. They would remember the big climax. That's it. That's all. This movie is is my definition of a turn-off-your-brain blockbuster. And I think we agree on that aspect that, you know, it's just there's so much, so many problems, so many inconsistencies, so many contradictions that when you look at it through an analytic lens, you're only going to be upset. But if you have the ability, which I am very unfortunate not to have, to turn off your brain and just be ignorantly blissful, this is the movie for you, right? I don't even think... I, I, okay... I don't know. I think it is. I think it can be objective. I think it's even. I don't. I. I. Yeah. Obviously, you're right. Like this is in the movie made. I'm looking up now. It made 1.6 billion dollars worldwide. Um, it's like the. It's one of the highest grossing films domestically of all time in the U.S. It is like obviously people. This movie resonated with people. And like think about the movie that came out. Like Jurassic Park three made 181 million dollars in 2001. No, that that was a serious decline from Lost World, which in and of itself was a steep decline from the first Jurassic Park. And the the first one was was the highest grossing film until Avatar, right? Hey kids, Rob is kinda wrong. He meant to say Titanic! But he said Avatar. Enjoy the miscommunication that follows. Nah, well, too weird. Inflation's weird. No, Titanic is the high was the highest grossing. Film. No, no, no. Jurassic Park came out before Titanic. That's what I'm saying. Before Titanic released, wasn't Jurassic Park the highest grossing movie ever? Oh, it might have been. Like that's that's one where you'd really have to. Uh, I thought it was. It. I thought it was. It's I, possible. If Zach, if Zach isn't on the ball with that, it might not be the case. I I thought it was, but go on. That's go on. that that's where you'd you'd have to uh, go through. You'd have to go back through time and just kind of yes. uh, discern that. Yeah. It would be a research project, but it was four years. Titanic came up yeah. four years after Jurassic Park. Yeah, because um, now there's things like ET, well, ET, Star Wars, mm-hmm. things like that had multiple releases. That's so true. It's, That's it's true. really it's really hard to uh, like Lion King. Lion King, I think, made more money than Jurassic Park. When did Close Encounters come out? Like eighty-two. Oh, that okay. Wow. Well, okay, I'm I'm fucking up that timeline. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not even like no. That was uh, seventy-nine. Oh. Oh shit! Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm making a fool out of myself talking about my Spielberg. What 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 else could I uh, horribly misalign? When did but, Catch Me If You Can come out? Did that come 2002. out next to Jurassic Park? Two thousand two, <laughs> winter of two thousand two. Okay, I'm sorry, Zach. I'm derailing you. No, it's all right. No, but like I said, Jurassic Park three made one hundred eighty one million dollars in two thousand one. Uh, there's a thing called like a, a dusty property 
when like a movie series or franchise has like no sequels for a while and you kind of blow the dust off of it and you and you make a new one oh, and okay. like and so you have Jurassic Park series every single movie's a decline every movie is more disliked than the previous one and you have that though but then you take Jurassic Park 3 and then 14 years later you make a sequel and it makes like four times the amount of money the last last one did. And that just blows my mind because like obviously it's tapping into this weird sort of blend of nostalgia and new audiences. It's the same thing that happened. Like I remember when uh, Jurassic World came out, this came out uh, like five months, six months before The Force Awakens. Everyone's like, oh man, like how can how can The Force Awakens survive in the same sort of climate where the uh, a f- cinematic nostalgia itch has been scratched, and like there, like there wasn't that much hype. Like when you went, it's kind of like the same thing that happened with Black Panther. Like there was hype for Black Panther, but not the same level of hype there was like for the Force Awakens. Where you could feel like there was this phenomenon not to bring this back to Star Wars, but like like in the month before the Force Awakens came out, like they, you could feel the air being sucked out of movie theaters, just waiting. Like like it's funny. The the last Hunger Games movie came out in November of 2015, and like everyone's like, "This is good." Do like fantastic numbers and like it 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 didn't do bad but like compared to like the other films in that franchise it did not make a lot of money and then like that same november uh uh, james bond specter came out like the previous james bond film skyfall made like 300 million dollars in the u.s and over a billion dollars which like was a bond film had never even come close to doing in in its history and so people like oh specter's gonna do great uh, uh, Hunger Games is going to do great. Like, how Star Wars going to deal with that sort of competition? And, like, everyone noticed Spectre made, like, $130 million less than Skyfall. Hunger Games made, like, $80 million less than the previous entry, which had made even less, like, a significant amount of money less than uh, Catching Fire did. And everyone's like, whoa, like, what's going on right now? And Star Wars had this effect of just sucking the air out of things, which is like something okay. that's really never been seen before in like box office, where like, people are anticipating a movie coming out yes. and are deliberately staying away because they are either saving money or there's nothing in. Like, it's kind of like I guess it's the idea of like you're going out to dinner, so you don't have like a, a big lunch. You're, you're deliberately kind of not eating a lot. <laughs> it's, 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 I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> And so, like, Zach, like, Zach lives in a place where marijuana is illegal, so oh, so <laughs> that that makes sense there. <laughs> well, it's kind of like going to a wedding. Like, if you're going to a wedding, you're not going to have like a huge breakfast before you do that. Like, you are deliberately. You're not speaking my language at all. Okay, I'm if, not speaking. If, you, his if you are, if you are not eating, if you are not gorging yourself on every meal, you're failing as a human being. Okay, there you go. <laughs> no, but um, but Zach, um. If, if you have more to say, please say it. But I, I really love this aspect that you're giving us. I think this is something that I've known uh, about you for a long time, which you've never brought up on this podcast. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Zach is more reliable on box office predictions than any other source to me. He's been wrong, sure, you know, but he's been right way more times. Uh, he talked a lot about his behind the, maybe not behind the scenes, but, you know, all the things he thinks of when it goes into these movies and how much money they make. This is something I have absolutely no fucking idea about. And I'm glad you brought it up because it was, it's, it's literally my last point on my notes before snacks. Ah, how much money do you think Jurassic world two is going to make? And I'm sorry if that is not the right question to be asking. I'm very naive in this respect. Box office opening weekend, Jurassic World 2. Zach, can you please give us your opinions, your hot takes, your predictions? I would love to hear them. 
Oh god, um, I've wondered that a lot lately. I figured, um, I figured this is something you've been working on for a while. When it comes to box office, people have to realize um, you can't just pull things out of a hat. You got to look at previous movies, things in the same genre perform like the same level of like anticipation for it. Uh, and, there's, and you do go off the the tracking. Hollywood obviously has tracking that the mm-hmm. industry trades the the Hollywood Reporter deadline. There, there, you go off what their things are, and you say, okay, you can usually you can kind of spitball from there. Some of them are easier than others. Jurassic World is a weird one, or Jurassic World 2, because the first one kind of exceeded everybody's expectations. Okay. And so it's like, okay, where do you go? From, like, when your film opens to $206 million, or $208 million, where do you go from here? Usually, when, when, you can only go... When you say opening, sorry, once again, just to clarify, when you say opening, you mean first weekend? Yes, opening like weekend. Like a $208 million first weekend? Yes, yes. Was, was and that's, Thursday yeah. to Monday? Thursday yeah, to Thursday? Sunday? Thursday night to uh, Sunday, yeah, that's Sunday. Okay. That's opening weekend. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, like, like usually, you can get a ballpark idea. Usually, there's articles I see. I've not seen any. Jurassic World definitely is on the tracking boards. Things usually okay. don't show up on the tracking boards until a month before release because it's too hard to gauge beyond that. Uh, usually, how tracking works with most films, depending on what they are, like the Marvel films. When the Marvel film shows up on the tracking, it can only go up from there. Like Black Panther showed up on the tracking boards at like 120 million. That made like two hundred and two. Yeah, yeah. um, Solo was one of the few examples where a blockbuster uh, showed up on the boards at I think one hundred and fifty million, and it went down every single time in subsequent news stories. Because the uh, thing, the thing that I'm thinking of with Jurassic World, and and once again, I'll say it, I am speaking from pure uh, naivety and and amateurism of this aspect. Just I'm I'm literally Zach is my teacher for this stuff. The thing that comes to mind for me is well. The first one was incredibly successful. The first one was wildly successful. Like Zach said, it exceeded expectations. So one, I I think we're going to have the coattail effect. I think that's a a big thing, not just in movies, but in reality. I mean, you know, you look at the top uh, 50 grossing movies of all time and fucking Iron Man 3 is on there. I I think that is solely because it came after the Avengers. It's a coattail effect. So that could happen. But at the same time, this is a direct sequel. The Marvel movies have that kind of shield built around them that they are not sequels, they are episodes in one big saga. This is a sequel. So I, I really, I don't know what to think. Kind of the the coattail effect versus the sequel effect with how much we know sequels kind of drop off in a, in a lot of cases, or at least I, that's what I'm aware of. I, I'm not sure, and that's kind of why I asked Zach's opinion, because I really don't know. I have no idea what kind of crowd to expect. Like I've mentioned many times or maybe one time, we will be reviewing the new Jurassic Park movie uh, the Monday after it is released. That's when our review is going to come out. And, you know, I'm kind of trying to gauge what our audience is going to be like. Am I going to have a rip-roaring, raucous crowd? Am I going to have people... Am I going to have kids excited about dinosaurs? Am I going to have stoners that I can smoke weed with in the theater? Like, like I really don't know. Uh, you're going you're to have more of a crowd than Solo, I can tell you that much. Well, that's... I think that yeah, goes without saying. That's that goes without saying. Um, no, <laughs> I had my own fucking row when I saw Solo. <laughs> Uh, no, from what I'm looking at right now, uh, the current uh, tracking for it, this was a guy over a month ago. Um, I don't know how much it's changed. Around 130 to 150 million. For opening week. Yeah, around there. Now, now that's what you're reading or predictions. That's not your prediction. No, I and mean, that's what mine would probably be. Um, it okay. depends. There's, I haven't read anything. Cause it's also worth noting that um, 
there really hasn't been a super seismic blockbuster. Usually you get about one or two major heavy hitters each summer. Usually, and the problem is only one can usually survive uh, within maybe six weeks of each other. Okay. Obviously, Infinity War blew the hinges off the door. Deadpool eked out, is eking out a nice little niche for itself. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to ask. How is Deadpool 2 faring? Because that Deadpool. was such a big hit the first one. Yeah, first one, first one, like, it's doing well for an R-rated picture. You can't take that away from Deadpool. But um, uh, Deadpool kind of hit a wall. It's not doing phenomenal, or not doing as well as the first one. Plus, Solo Solo took a bite out of that, and plus, Deadpool mm-hmm. took a bite out of Solo. Um, Deadpool will be successful. Solo will not. Solo is dying a dog's death mm-hmm. as we uh, speak. Um, but it's also worth noting, too, you do have a bunch of weird counter-programming going on in June. You have Ocean's 8, which is going to take away some of your female audience that likes this oh, sort of yes. thing. Is that, have, is that the same weekend as Jurassic World 2? No. Ocean's uh, 8? Ocean's 8 is this weekend. Oh, Ocean's uh, 8 is this weekend. Okay. This weekend. Next weekend is uh, Incredibles 2, which is going to eat a lot away of that family audience. Think about There's not been one family film. Um, the last, the last family film that I, I can't even think of the last really genuine, genuinely like successful family film was probably Peter Rabbit from like January. They made, they made a Peter Rabbit movie. They make a movie of everything. Hollywood. I didn't even know they made a Peter Rabbit movie. Holy fuck. God damn it. I'm upset with my life. No, a Jurassic World 2, um, it's definitely not getting to $200 million. I think that is, well, um. Okay. Uh, so, I would like to give my prediction. I would like to go on record, even though when we review Jurassic Park two, when we record it, we will not have these numbers, so we won't be able to comment well, on we'll, it. Well, we'll have a good idea. Well, yeah, we'll have we'll have some forecasts. Sure, we'll have the first you know first look. Uh, this is twenty. We'll get the twenty on the box office numbers. Uh, here we go. I want to go on record saying how much money I think it's going to make. Are you ready? Uh. I had this thought, this is in my notes, this is before we talked about this. I'm a little more worried about my prediction now that we've talked about this. But I'm, I want to go on record, and I want to say opening weekend, $210 million. That's what I want to say. I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with my gut. That's just a gut. I ha- Zach knows I'm a fucking plebeian at this. I have no credibility. But that's what I want to say. $210. we will see how it goes. It's, it's worth noting that out of all, from my understanding of blockbuster cinema and box office, that's only ever happened once where the sequel or the immediate follow-up grossed more in its Gremlins opening weekend. <laughs> I could, only I and Joe Dante could hope. Um, yes. <laughs> no, the only time that a movie made more had a, a, a crazy opening weekend oh. and then... What could it be? I'm trying to think of what it could be. Had cra- no, you, you you might you wouldn't get it now, but you would get it once you say it. Once I say it, um, had a crazy opening weekend that nobody saw coming, and this and it had a very Terminator run. Terminator Two. Yes, but that not not today's. That's not modern. I'm talking. That was not the one you were thinking of. As well. I'm thinking modern blockbusters. Okay. So last okay. last five to ten years. Um, Fuck. The last one that had that was The Hunger Games. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hunger Games. This, this is a uh, fun one. I, I remember the time, kind of like uh, really. I, I was surprised by this, like genuinely surprised, like how much I knew there was anticipation for that movie, but I never knew it was so. Um, what's the word? A rabid that fan base. Oh. Okay. And the first movie opened to a hundred and fifty-two million dollars, which I don't think anybody saw coming, and it grossed four hundred eight million dollars domestic. Which which was insane at the time that that movie uh, made that much money. 
That but was the start even... of the post-apocalyptic craze, I think. You know, that was the real big, let's get into post, post-apocalypse. You know, we never well, had a insurgence or divergence or running maze or scared maze or whatever the fuck all those other teenage books they adapted of post-apocalypse well, worlds. Hunger Games was born of the uh, from Twilight. It was born from that. It was, like, it was a young adult novel yes. that, that sold a lot of copies. They figured, but quick, let's make this into what a movie. I'm, what I'm saying is it, it dealt with distinctly different foundations, where Twilight yes. was the vampires and, and werewolves, where Hunger Games was the first to bring in the post-apocalyptic stuff. Sure, yeah, dystopian future. Dystopian yeah, yeah, future. yeah, yeah, exactly, yes, yes. Maybe yeah, not. Yeah, uh, po- oh, I'm sorry. Post-apocalyptic is not the right word for Hunger Games. Dystopian future is the right term. Yes, I'm sorry. But going back to what I was saying, though, uh, Hunger Games opened to 152 million in 2012, and uh, a year and a half later, the sequel opened to 158 million. The sequel's opening weekend did better, and the final gross. Uh, in the U.S., actually went from 408 for the first film to 424 for the sequel. Oh. So it's it's a film that actually grew its audience from, again, it was insane that the first movie did as well as it did, and it was shocking that sequel actually grew its audience. The first, I, I am surprised by that as well, not to get into this and to spend a lot of time on it. I read the first Hunger Games book. I also saw the first Hunger Games movie. That's it. I never read any more of the books, saw any more of the movies. Um, I thought that the the movie did a disservice to the books. I thought it was wildly toned down. It was nowhere near as violent or as dark as the books were. Uh, and for that reason, I'm surprised it made so much money. And I'm fucking surprised the second one made even more money. I don't even know what the story of that one is, other than you know they they start to flesh out the plot of the third one, right? That's what the second yeah. Movie does. Um, but okay, wow. So so you're pushing back. You you don't think you're we're gonna hit my two ten million? No, no way. Too much. Okay. Uh, too much. Again, Jurassic World. Because the thing about also Jurassic World too, it had that pent up hype. Um, there is That's this thing true. That's you true. had. All, I think there was this weird sort of phenomenon. People say with Jurassic World, people really did want to see a dinosaur theme park. People just yeah. wanted to see that, and, and the movie delivered that premise, albeit briefly. And plus, uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron came out. That was the first release that summer, and that many feel that was an uh, underwhelming film. Yes. Um, and like I said, and, and so there was that kind of like, okay, what's going to make all the money this summer? People are waiting for something that's going to really kind of hit the spot, and it mm. did. And so you already had that this summer. And I'm going to say it's got to be in the ballpark of a broad 100, 130 to at least 180. Depending on how well the marketing, if the marketing real again, a lot of movies too, their marketing picks up in the final two weeks. Um, yeah. That's when you see things kind of go into overdrive. That's true. We so, got ten so, days till this movie comes out. Yes, right. So I, I think it's very well possible that that it does it dials its its marketing campaign uh, again. If if Ocean's Eight breaks out as a counter programming hit, if Incredibles two opens well, it's like a family film. I think a lot like, people have to realize if a lot of these films, like when Jurassic World came out. There weren't any other family films in the box office. Like mm-hmm. Avengers: Age of Ultron was gone. Tomorrowland had stalled. And so, like, think about when mom, like, if you have like kids and they want to go see a movie. Think about it. you're paying for the parents' ticket. That's two tickets, and you're paying for the two kids' tickets. And who knows what friends they're bringing along? Yep. Like well, when a family, children. Yeah. When, well, yes, I know. <laughs> the families, the families is a uh, undertone this entire episode, but. <laughs> 
like when a family goes to the movies, that's why movie. That's why something like The Force Awakens and like Jumanji this past winter did so well. When families go to the movies, like if, if little Johnny wants to go see a movie, that's not just his ticket that's getting bought. It's like three or four more tickets that gets bought plus his, and that's what happens. So like if where Jurassic World had no kitty fair to compete with, Jurassic World has to go against Incredibles two. Incredibles Intr- two, yes, I think that'll be. I think that's like the, I said before, Ocean's Eight is going to bomb. 40 million. Incredibles 2 is going to be huge. I, I really think Incredibles 2 is going to be fucking huge, which is part of the reason I want to review it on this show. <laughs> but I think it I think it really is. That's going to be the thing. You know, like Zach is saying, uh, other movies will take away the money from Jurassic Park 5, Jurassic World 2, and that's going to be Incredibles as far as I'm concerned. But I'm sticking by my 210 million as far as I'm concerned. Uh, maybe next week, Zach. How about this? Next week, you'll maybe give us an updated, updated range, something sure, like that. If I'm still not editing this episode, that's yes, very true. So, I think. I think. I think. Honestly, uh, from what you've told me, with how like Jurassic World, the first one was the breakout hit. It exceeded expectations and nothing else to compete with. I think people. I think humanity is literally going to go ape shit for The Incredibles two. That's going to be the highest grossing movie of the year. I'm tempted to say possible because we're doing another episode such short uh succession of jurassic world how about we hold off on what snack we choose to eat but i was our, gonna our... say cranberries again well you know what we can't uh... we, can, we can never explain that so good thing you chose that <laughs> and with that please tune in to our jurassic world episode jurassic world 2 jurassic boogaloo Dinosaur, dinosaur. Di- sorry, dinosaur boogaloo in a week and a half or however, I guess two it's weeks. Come out, uh, the Monday following the release of the movie. I think yes. that's a and we're, next we're week. Get. And next week when we review insert movie here, Adventure Time. Fingers crossed. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's not that's, happening. That's like a that's like a one in one millionth chance at this point that we'll get to do that's Adventure Time. Next well, week. it's gonna be fun, folks. When we're recording this, we have no idea what next episode our next episode will be. So enjoy that mystery. Much are like you the happy? cranberries. Are you happy, audience? You got us on your on our toes. Are you happy? All right, everybody. Uh, what are we played? Are we playing the reverse intro music, or are we yeah, gonna sit there? It's got to No, it's got to be the reverse Jurassic Park theme. You leave it to me, Zach. I'll get us a good reverse Jurassic Park BD. I am not, when Rob gets this episode, that, that's a raw edit, two hours and a half. And when he gets an edited version, that's around 45 minutes. Um, I want him to remember this exact moment. <laughs> I love it. All righty, folks. Enjoy. Hang on for America's Got Talent! The BDVD combo. The BD Wong and Vincent D'Onofrio combo. It's the BDVD combo. We got the BDVD combo. That is that is the best thing about this movie. The BD BD combo. Do you need me to say it again, Zach? The BDVD showdown? The BDVD combo. Oh, BDVD combo. Perfect. 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 Perfect.
The BDVD combo. The BD Wong and Vincent D'Onofrio combo. It's the BDVD combo. We got the BDVD combo. That is that is the best thing about this movie. The BD VD combo. Do you need me to say it again, Zach? The BDVD showdown? No, BDVD combo. Oh, BDVD combo. Perfect. Can you say it? The BDVD showdown? No, BDVD combo. Oh, BDVD combo, excuse perfect. me. Perfect. I have everything I need now to create a perfect loop of us saying that in I want to see BDVSVD. Dawn of Justice. <laughs> BDVSVD, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> oh my god. Oh excuse my me. God. Excuse me. I didn't do that right. BDV. VD, Dawn of Justice. V with no period. <laughs> exactly. It's a Supreme Court case. I would just love to see, like, Vincent D'Onofrio with his bigger stature standing next to the, the, the uh, relatively smaller BD Wong and BD Wong going, Do you bleed? <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking great. <laughs> uh, anything not to talk about this movie. He's playing his characters from. Oh, I have a question. I have, I have a like, question about. <laughs> oh, Zach, are you ready for this? Here we go. Did you see oh. America's Got Talent last week? The first episode, the premiere of America's Got Talent, season 13, I think it is. He's doing it, folks. He's blindsiding me. <laughs> is that a yes? <laughs> that is an absolute no. Zach did I... not see it? Oh, man. Okay, well, well, there's one big thing I actually want to talk about with America's Got Talent. Uh, it's one of my guilty pleasures. I do watch it. It's one of the things I watch as it comes out. I'm sorry to say. It just opens me up to so many commercials and so many hours of nonsense. But for some reason, I enjoy it for that, like, two minutes of talent you get every 15 real time. Uh, but something that I was blown away by uh, was as an act that I saw on America's Got Talent in the premiere of America's Got Talent. We saw a female magician called the Sacred Rihanna. Zach, did you hear about this? Did this pop up on your Twitter at all? No, it did not. Okay, unfortunately. Zach, Zach probably doesn't isn't probably in those circles at all. But anyway, Sacred Rihanna, you know, she did some magic tricks. She has a spooky aspect. The judges were blown away. Uh, she got through to the next round. We're not going to see her for a few weeks if you keep up with America's Got Talent. I'd like to tell another story right now about a little little time when I went to Thailand. Back in November of last year, I had the great experience to spend a week in Thailand. I went there to present at a conference. I don't often do this, but humble brag, Zach. I spoke humble at a brag. conference in Thailand. Uh, but while I was in Thailand, one of, of the many things that I got to experience, I actually got to watch, as it was live on television, uh, it wasn't held in Thailand, uh, the semifinals of Asia's Got Talent. I didn't even know they did Asia's Got Talent. Did you? Have you ever heard of it? I would imagine they do, because they have everywhere. They have insert country here's Got Talent. Yeah, and so I guess I kind of should have known that, but I never really, like, just acknowledged it. But this, I actually got to see. I was in the hotel room at some point, and I found Asia's Got Talent semifinals of season two, actually, of Asia's Got Talent. And what act did I get to see? 
other than the sacred Rihanna. Literally, literally the same person performing not the same act, but it was the same person, same persona doing magic tricks with a spooky motif. If uh, if you Google this, if you look it up, and and Zach, I'll give you I'll give you one guess. Who won Asia's Got Talent season two? A little can girl you... that can sing well. Oh no no Asia's Got Talent. <laughs> Excuse me, a little Asian girl that can sing well. No, uh, well well Zach would be right nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, but in the case of Asia's Got Talent season two, the grand winner was the sacred Rihanna, who is now a contestant from the ground up on America's Got Talent. This is what I want to talk about. Should this be allowed? No one seems to either know about this or care about this. And here's the thing. Zach didn't have the pleasure to see the episode that we got last week of America's Got Talent. Simon Cowell acted like he did not know who the sacred Rihanna was. They have a deal together. He's her producer since she won Asia's Got Talent. So, Zach, here we go. To, to bring it back to the big question, what do you think? Should we care? Should this be allowed? Does it? Should we not give a fuck? I'm actually a little surprised. I feel like we're a little lied to by this reality show. I'm not saying all reality show is real. I know there's always fake aspects of it. But this is this is one of the most blatant times I've ever witnessed it. What, what, is, this, what is this person do? Uh, she is a magician. She does basically magic tricks. Uh, but her persona is modeled after the girl from the ring. Like she basically looks like the girl from the ring. And she doesn't speak. She just kind of jitters and, and spasms and does very creepy things while doing magic tricks. The sacred Rihanna. So, so Simon Cowell's representing a, a magician lady? To some extent, yes. Since, since she won Asia's Got Talent, which he was an executive producer on, as he is most all of the Got Talent shows. So you're There's, saying that Simon Cowell is representing Dark Magician Girl? There is, there is, they know each other, absolutely, yes. And from my research, I found that there is some representation, some professional capacity between them. And she is a contestant on a show where he is a judge. This is the weirdest Jurassic World conversation I've ever had. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? I, would, I really do want your opinion. So uh, just from the standpoint, uh, how, do, how does this make you feel? I know you don't care about America's Got Talent. You don't watch this reality show. I don't know if you watch any reality shows. But isn't, isn't this a little unfair to some extent? Sounds like a conflict of interest. Yes, absolutely. You get, a, you get, like a, you get a family... Uh, who, like, forms a band and tours. They have, like, little gigs, and then they make it big, and they get on America's Got Talent, get to the semifinals. That used to be an accomplishment. But now they're up against someone who literally won the same show on the other side of the world. That's, this is strange. This is weird, right? This, something's not right here. I just want to make sure I'm not crazy, because no one's talking about this. I found, like, one Reddit thread where someone else brought this up. And there were maybe, you know, like 50 responses. But or, am, am I crazy or, or is this is this not okay? Well, yes, you're crazy. But <laughs> maybe not in this <laughs> instance. I guess, I don't know. I remember this was a few years ago. I remember reading some, there was like this, uh, I, I can't even think of the uh, singer's name. Female singer. Uh, I think she's only notable. She had like, like a song in the Legally Blonde movie. And I was curious. I really liked the song. I'm like, what happened to this singer? And apparently she had tried out, like, like she had like, like a, at one point like a music deal 
but I guess it fell through. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wanted to like audition for American Idol. I and I think they either let her or she barely got past. I think she just got past auditioning for uh, whatever it was Paula Abdul and Randy Jackson. And then I think she got cut like right after that before like any of it was aired for TV. Uh, and people are like, like, people were asked like, well, can people who did have a career go go on American Idol? Like, is there any rules saying somebody who has some sort of pre-established relationship in the music industry are they barred? Great this? question. Get- Great question. Yes. What's the answer? Did they did they uh, have anything? I don't think it's ever come I think it's just the idea of like obviously I don't think Taylor Swift could sit there enter American Idol. But that, I that's don't- my thought as well. You know, what if one what if you know uh America's Got Talent season 14 starts and Paul McCartney shows up? <laughs> like like what are we gonna do? You know, like I guess it, I guess it's the whole idea. Whoever the producers want to do, if the producers think someone's uh, talented enough, but they're under. I would imagine uh, the Dark Magician Girl. <laughs> I, I guess I guess nobody knows who she is. I, I guess in America, in America though, she won the contest in Asia, and but that and doesn't matter in this country. Most people can't tell you where Asia is. Never mind. Well, a, a magician I, yes. from and there. I think that's part of my issue is that, and why I'm actually bringing it up in this podcast is because a lot of people don't even know about it. I think that was a lot of responses on the Reddit thread. I read through them. A lot of people were like, "I had no idea who this was until I saw her on America's Got Talent." And sure, but just because people are ignorant to what goes on and who wins other competitions, I, I still think that there should be a limit. You know, um, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. And and I'm glad to see you agree to me at some extent. For for the true fans of America's Got Talent out there, I will say I know last season someone who made it to the semifinals was a singer. Uh, when he was younger, he had an actual record deal with a true label. I think it was like Virgin or one of those, one of the big ones. And th- he was on America's Got Talent, but it was years after that label had dropped him. Like they had actually terminated the contract or not chosen to uh, continue it at its the point when that option came up. I think that's okay. Someone who had a career younger and had failed and, you know, years later they come back to America's Got Talent. I was a little more okay with that. This is a different situation. She literally won the same competition less than a year ago. It's weird. That does not sit right with me, Zach. Does not sit right with me. Um, so, yeah, that's what I had to talk about America's Got Talent this week. So let's turn it over to Zach for his America's Got Talent commentary. This is the weirdest Jurassic World Park discussion oh, I've ever heard. You really had to bring it back up. You really had to bring the dinosaurs back up. I thought I was great at deferring it. Oh, jeez. 